0: Look like I'm fresh out the water, put that on my daughter, I'm drippin' my steak. Mm. to the pad that my author and marathon dog have been running for weeks Yeah, I tell no lies, my eyes on the prize you lose by choosing the blink mm. I found the treasure by taking on pressure and pushing myself to the brink Licked in the mirror to tell me that I'ma be wealthy, I said I concur What's, What's up, I'm
1: Bobby J from City Chapters, I'm your host Today, chapter 3 with my man Joseph Northcut. He's the owner of the Bricks Conditioning Lab um, they offer one-on-one training, small group sessions, and sports performance training. This man has accreditations and certifications of Master of Science in Exercise Science from California University in uh, Pennsylvania. Did I say that right?
0: California University of Pennsylvania. Oh, it is that? Yeah, I was yeah, like, oh, that threw me nah, for a loop there yeah, for a second.
1: Yeah. Um, and then uh, he's got a Bachelor of Science in Health Science from Arizona State University. He has a USAW strength and con, or he is a USAW strength and conditioning coach, and he's earning a doctorate of exercise science and research currently. Um, we're going to read a testimonial from one of his clients at the gym, Meredith. Joe is truly passionate about his craft and dedicated 100% to the success of his clients. I started one-on-one training with Joseph following the birth of my third child and have seen a complete transformation of myself, both physically and mentally. I went in with a goal in mind, and with the help of Joseph and his incredible training program, I've been able to meet and surpass many goals at the BRICS. I look forward to even more progress and couldn't think of a better trainer to help push me through. Once again, that was Meredith. So, there's the there's intro for my dog, <laughs> she Joe. Gonna eat, she gonna eat that up, man. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. Yeah, what's going yeah, on, man? Not much, man. I'm just super happy to have you. I got the chills already with that intro, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, cool, man. Um, let's get into your backstory, bro. I know you're from the east side of L.A. Kind of just give us your whole experience growing up in the east side of L.A. and, and how that kind of formed you as a person
0: uh, basically yeah i'm from from los angeles from the la i'm from the east side which if you if you are familiar with la the east side where i'm from we call it the bottoms because that's probably as low as you're gonna get out there mm. and um of course like anything you've heard it's the rough area it's, there's nothing to see on the east side so if you're not from if you go to Los Angeles, th- there should never be a reason for you to ever visit these. saw there's no malls. There's no. That's just where all the the, the poverty, the projects. That's where all that's at. So um, that's where I grew up in. So everything that I saw or that I wanted to be or do is from the outside looking. I mean, looking outside from the inside. So mm. um, growing up there, typically when you see people doing, you know, making the money, the jewelry, the girls, and all that, you you typically as a as a as a boy you. You follow three options, and, and it's not because you you want to do it; you just want the result of it. Mm-hmm. And that's a entertainer, so a rapper, mm-hmm. singer, if you can do it, uh, or an athlete. Of mm-hmm. course, is everybody's first love where, where I'm from, or you follow on what the people who you look up to do, which is you know yeah, the your immediate the games, environment, yeah. the, the the selling drugs, etc. So, luckily for me, growing up, I had people older than me, my older brother cousins and just people around the neighborhood that saw that I was different as far as I just love basketball and always loved school. So whenever it came to doing any of the things that they saw would be detrimental to that, they kept me away from it. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, I could still fight. I can do all that. But if they caught me hanging in the streets or doing certain stuff, they stopped me
2: mm-hmm.
0: because what people don't understand is when you're from these areas and they don't want to hold nobody in there because it's family. So if they see somebody that can make it out, they're going to try to help them make it out. Their means of trying may not be as, you know, I guess you could say educated as somebody who comes from a business background. But all they know is they don't want them to do the same things that they did. So luckily for me, I had that growing up. So that's what helped me. I could have still pushed it, but Mm -hmm. that's what helped me um, not fall victim to everything that everybody else was doing.
1: That's, uh, that's really great, man, because me and TS actually talked about this last week. He grew up in some rough parts of like Tacoma and that area. And, uh, we were talking about like, oh geez. And like, did he feel pulled in or did he feel like people from his neighborhood were like, yo bro, you got something. Don't come over this way. And like, you just went into that already off top, which is something I was probably going to ask because a lot of people think, People from those neighborhoods like everybody's trying to like keep you in the in the gang or keep you in this culture like and a lot of times it's not that way they do see individuals that have a certain talent that's like yo you don't need to be doing this so that's awesome that you like you had that bro. Yeah. There's a
0: big misconception of yeah. what politics are, uh, uh, what politics are in mm-hmm. in the hood. I guess you could say, but and I, um, that's I want to yeah, let people know, like yeah, it's, it's not it's, that way it's, all the time. It's different. Like yeah. people ask me, how how was you raised there? How did you not get this or get that? And I'm like. It's not what you think. It, it, it's a lot what you think. And in some cases, it's a lot worse than what you think cause yeah. there's a lot of people don't know. But mm-hmm. it's it's a, when you're from this neighborhood and, you know, L.A. is different than a lot of other cities and, and countries because you might be, you might live in this block, on this street. For example, I'll give you an example. Through high school, I lived on 27th and Central, the Bottoms. And that's a blood neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, you would think in 27th and you got, you know, 20 Adams and then 26th, 25th, they're mixed in there. But you would think that, okay, so this whole neighborhood, this whole area you're protected in, but that's not how it is in L.A. So on 27th, you might have the, the Bloods, you know, but then on 28th, you got a Hispanic gang. that don't get along with you and that's a block over so you got and i'm not saying none of these gangs don't get along and none of that i'm not none of that i'll just give you an example of the gangs around me that wasn't part of my neighborhood and i'm from the east side so it's nothing but blacks and mexicans the only only white people we see are cops Mm. so you got to think i'm on 27th and the next block over you got east side the essays and then behind us you got um local park and then you got i mean not local park i'm sorry um you got Flats and then you got Ghetto Boys Then you got 38th Street And these are all surrounding you So mm-hmm. it, it the depending on whatever The politics are you could be Just waiting on your the bus stop And somebody will see you right. So the way we growing up the way we drive To mm-hmm. red lights was different you don't stop You slow down mm-hmm. if you're waiting at a, a bus Stop you don't wait at the bus stop you might sit Inside of the church's chicken mm-hmm. on the corner mm-hmm. And then when the bus comes you go out yeah, But yeah. it taught you a lot about your environment How to survive and like a um a territory where it's always stress. Yeah. And just how how to focus on whatever it is you got going, how to like um generate like a tunnel vision and not let everything around you interrupt that. So mm. um that's that's what it's like growing up on the east side. It it's uh, you always have to have your head on a swivel. But growing up I didn't know no different. So I didn't know that there was anything outside of that. So I just thought, you know, everybody's going through this. So
1: Yeah. 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 Um So, you were in that area all the way through high school, right? Yeah, so I was born in LA.
0: And then, you know, when I was young, like four or five or something like that, my mom and dad kind of separated. So, we moved. We got, I want to, we know we didn't get Section A yet, but we moved to the IE. And back in the day, back in the day, because I know some people, some of my friends, the IE was considered, like, corny because it was all suburbs. Mm. But what what happened was a lot of people from L.A. started moving out there because property was cheap because you, you were an hour away from the city. So I moved to the IE because my mom felt that if she got us away from L.A., that it would, you know, it it will we'll change with that. And that, that could have been so for me and my younger brother. But my older brother was deep like, yeah, at this is, time. So yeah. so he went out there, you know, he made friends and he... he um. You know, he still had fun out yeah. there, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then um but the problem is when we got out there, that's when I first really started understanding that I was like poor because growing up growing up where I'm front, everybody's the same. So you just think this is how it is. Mm. But because when we got section eight, we moved to areas that was more blended, more more in a, um, you know, mix between races and stuff. So I would see so many people with stuff I didn't have. And then, you know, as a kid, you just ask for it. And then you just, you know, my mom, she did the best she could, but she just couldn't afford a lot of stuff. She had seven kids. So um, I moved to Marino Valley for a few years. And I did start to change as in like, of course, if you take a kid from a hood and put them in the valley young. How old were you again? at this? I point? want to say like five, maybe four. Oh, you were really young. Yeah, yeah I was really young. Because yeah. Yeah, okay. I went to, I went to um, kindergarten in, in, these are, in IE. Gotcha. So I lived in Riverside, um Paris and then merino valley gotcha so while i was there i met friends there because you had other people that was from la so you meet friends there and and then um when i was in sixth grade we had to move back to la but at this point i hadn't seen my dad in a few years because just whatever different stuff happened so we just my mom popped up on him and it was like we had to move out of the house. You need you to take care of your kids and stuff. So that's when I was able to move back to the East Side, which mm. at the time I didn't want to do because I'm out here. I'm skateboarding, doing like I'm yeah. doing everything at the time that the IE was about. What is IE? Inland Empire. So okay. it's an area oh, of, yeah. of California. Um mm. If you're, if let's say I was from the IE and mm. I met you in Washington, I would say I'm from LA. Okay. Just because it, it's yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and
1: explain, but it, it's yeah. an hour. I've heard of Inland Empire. I aye. just never. Yeah, it, it's no it's now aye, it's yeah.
0: it's there's some cities in that's rough. Yeah, because there's it, a so
1: many. There's a group. Uh, hit boy's from IE. Hitboy, uh, Yeah, I think it was Hit boy and some other rappers that there's were in the, um, the IE or the, Inland Empire. The whole jerk movement. Yeah. A lot of those
0: groups are from the IE.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: but there's a lot. Kawhi Leonard, he's from LA, then moved to the IE. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of people that you 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 um that are famous that you know and you're like, oh they're from LA?
1: Yeah.
0: Some of them are really from the IE. They're from yeah. yeah. They're from LA and they moved to the IE because that was like a big thing. You if you were poor and you were able to like make a little bit of money or or like we got section eight, we moved to the IE. Gotcha. So yeah, so I was there for um until sixth grade and then moved back. And I remember how how mad I was I was like, oh I'm back to LA, you because know, it was it, it was just a different life in the IE. You can roam the streets, you can do whatever, it was safe. And and then we moved back to L.A. And when I got back, I never wanted to leave L.A. again. Because mm. that's when I started growing up. So mm. you know, that's my I, I got my first job at twelve at this place called Clean and Green. Started buying shoes. We dressed different in L.A. than I.E. Mm. So when I came back to L.A., they were calling me corny and all. Mm. You know, yeah. I ain't know about at the time Tommy Hilfiger was popping Ralph Lauren, yeah. like all this stuff. I had no idea about none of it. I was still wearing J.C. Penney's. You know. Yeah. So I immediately was like, "Oh shoot!" Like I and had to adapt moving from LA to IE, yeah. and now moving back, I had to adapt again. But that was that was the best thing that happened for me. So, hmm. yeah. So I lived in the IE for a little bit, um, Riverside, Merino um, Valley, and this little um, place, in Moreno Valley called Edgemont. That's like the the hood of Moreno Valley. I, I really don't know what it's like now, but yeah. I lived in Edgemont and uh, Riverside, Edgemont, Moreno Valley. Hmm. Yeah. So when you moved back to LA, how old were you then? I want to say uh, eleven or twelve. I know I was there when I was twelve because that's when I got my first job. Because you had to be thirteen. Mm. I, I needed shoes, right? Mm. Cause I, I <laughs> my dad used to buy me Jays when I was young, yeah. and then when when we didn't see him for a while, yeah. it was. Payless shoes, you know, yeah. and people say payless shoes like that. Nobody was legit payless shoes. You get a $25 pair of shoes, and then if I, if I can act right, I can get a pair of Chucks. But um, mm-hmm. for the most part, it's payless shoes. So in L.A., in, in Reno Valley, it was, it was fine. Mm-hmm. People talk trash about well, I me. Mean, I talk trash back. Yeah. I'm from L.A. I was always yeah. just talk trash. So – People would, like, judge me, but nobody wanted to say nothing. Yeah. Plus, I'm from L.A., so our demeanor is different. Like, when we talk trash, if it's aggressive, it's going to lead to a fight. Oh, and yeah. they wasn't, they like, the people out there wasn't used to that at the time. Yeah. But I was. So yeah. once they saw, like, this dude fights all the time, you know, yeah. it, nobody talk trash, but when you move back to LA now, it's like taking a, a, a lion out of his environment and then putting him in a zoo and then putting him back in the environment, he got to learn to yeah. adapt. So yeah. I moved back to LA. I want to say, we'll just call it 12. Cause oh, I know I yeah. was there at 12 and then, um, started working and shoes. So I got my mm-hmm. shoes yeah.
1: Um, was there any like, uh, defining moments, um, from that point on in LA that were like really maybe difficult for you to go through i mean you had obviously you were in an environment that was volatile is there any like one experience that you think was ultra defining for like how you think or react to the world is there any
0: what i think so in in la you you don't really like there's not too many like because it all comes Every day, you're getting hit with something. Every day, mm. you just learn to navigate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But when I was in the IE, we we had section eight, but of course we couldn't like really afford to live where we were at. So when I remember my mom put me in basketball my first year, and it was forty dollars. I wanted to play soccer too, and she made me choose, and I was like, I'm play basketball. Yeah. So I played my first year. We won a championship, and nice. I remember the score was six to five. You know, I was like five something like that, right? Six to five, and I had five points. So the next year I didn't play because we, we couldn't afford to play. But the coach of the team we beat contacted us and was like, if if you let him play, I'll pay for everything. Yeah, this, is, this, this random white dude. I, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, but he was the coach of, of the team. And so for the next few years while I lived in the IE, he would come and he would come pick me up and take pay for everything. Take me everywhere. If we had a tournament in San Diego, he paid tournament and wherever we went, he paid for everything and what that showed me was keep in mind I I never had any relationship with white people up until this Mm -hmm. so in my head white people were rich like Mm -hmm. just because everybody on my team he had two black kids everybody else was the nicest shoes all this different stuff I had beat up shoes but I was the nicest kid on the court at the time so yeah you know but so in my head I'm like dang like people are rich i didn't know there was poor white people at the time Mm -hmm. and that's it's crazy to think of but that's a kid's mind like everybody around you are black and hispanic Mm -hmm. and then you go and you meet some white people for the first time and you don't see a poor white person there's no Mm -hmm. social media there's no nothing all you see is on tv and what's in front of you so i know i know at that time as a little kid i'm thinking white people are cops and white people are rich like whatever they're doing because I'd go to his house and he had this huge house and grass. If you look at my yard, I don't like my yard back home, yeah. there's just no grass. Right. And it's sad. It's, it's not saying that the grass doesn't grow there, but that's just not no, like I, a, I hear a, what you're saying. On the hierarchy, right? that's not a level of importance. Like, right. hey, make sure, you, you know. So seeing all that and seeing that there was something else, when I moved back to L.A., I knew that there was something outside of the area I was in. Mm. So my approach to everything was, well, I got to get here. And now I'm moving in with my dad. And I still have my mom, too, so I don't ever want to discredit her. But I moved in with my dad, and now I got this dude who is all about business, like responsibility and ownership. Okay. And that's when when he he knew I loved basketball. So he would tell me what I got to do to not get better at basketball because he, he was a football player. He went to USC. But he would teach me what I need to do to get out of where I'm at and get to the next level as far as what I can control, as far as working hard, getting good grades, staying in line, staying away. He, he would you know, don't, don't, don't ever smoke. Don't ever drink and all that stuff. So he stayed on me about that. And, and with having what I learned from this guy, Craig Ellis, which I've even tried to find him before, but from this, mm. this coach, knowing that there's something outside of what I was raised enough knowing, and mm. then having my dad basically give me the blueprint of, of taking care of responsibility and owning up to every decision I make is mine. Yeah that is what helped me make some smart decisions over the next few years. Yeah.
1: So having a positive father role model in your life, man, that's, that's huge role. Cause, um, a lot of us don't get that no matter where you're from the hood or not, you know what I mean? A lot of us don't get good mentorship from our fathers. Um, so to have that, especially in an environment where you were at, probably you know like you said your brother now you're sharing that your dad like these different people help keep you in track and not like become victim to your environment which obviously a lot of people from those areas do because like you said they don't see nothing else you see these three options the first two are unlikely the one that you know for sure you can do is right there around you at all times, yeah. and you can it's like get a into it. Plan. Yeah, <laughs> so and it's just like, there. Yeah. It's like you you know to become an artist, like and maybe some of those neighborhoods, like in L.A., you do have people that did make it in music, so you see it's possible. You do have athletes that do make it, but it's not as common as seeing. The homies that no, are doing things yeah. in the streets, pulling up every day and yeah. something fresh, and you're nice like, "Yo, that's cars, what I, I want." Nice yeah, nice
0: chains. You like, right? Like, yeah, I remember. That's I remember possible. You know, a pager for the yeah. first time. Yeah, and my brother had a pager. I'm like, "Oh shoot, I gotta get a pager." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like everybody had yeah. a pager, so I, was yeah. like, I gotta get a pager. But yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, like like Nip said, hacking the matrix. Man, it sounds yeah. like there was people that really helped you. Figure your way out through that that maze, man. So, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So, did you live with your dad through high school?
0: Yeah. So I live with my dad. My mom lives. So my dad had a house. My dad had plenty of jobs before he was. He he used to do construction. He was a mm-hmm. carpenter, and then he, of course, he went to USC. Didn't graduate because he got injured freshman year. And back then, oh, really? in the sixties, you. Like you're, you're a black athlete and you're injured yeah. or whatever. He didn't even play a game, but you get in. They just took his scholarship and replaced it. So he left oh, there, damn. went to another school. Mm-hmm. He's always been smart. He's always wanted to go to school. His my my grandma, his mom was like a drill sergeant, so he oh, ended really? up going into accounting, to math.
2: Mm-hmm. So he
0: became an accountant, and that's when he met my mom. My mom was working at a bank, mm-hmm. and my dad was working at a little higher position. And he met my mom, mm-hmm. and 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 that happened. So my mom had five kids. He had one, and they they. I tell my mom to this day, I don't know what my dad was thinking. They had five kids. No, my together? mom had five with her All first ra- husband. Already, okay. And then gotcha. my dad had one with his his first relationship. No, my oh, sister, oh, okay. my older sister. You'd seven of you yeah. total, right? So there's there's eight total, but I have seven brothers and sisters. So my I, dad okay, had one, gotcha, my mom had gotcha, five gotcha. from her first marriage. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. my dad had me and my mom and dad had me and my younger brother. Okay. But I, I gotcha. tell my mom to this, I don't know what my dad was thinking. <laughs> like, he met you with five kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like power tool good man <laughs> yeah, yeah. no nah, that's a joke but yeah, I, yeah. I, I do tell my mom that. no i hear you yeah. but no so yeah so yeah. um they met so my dad wasn't an accountant so he was working for first interstate mate and he was upstairs making good money and then wells fargo bought him and laid they laid off a lot of the people so when that happened to him and he couldn't um like he couldn't afford to financially take care of us he just kind of went, disappeared that's why i didn't see him mm. for years mm. so he just disappeared and yeah. um it's not that he disappeared. He just didn't come and see us no more. Cause we knew where, I I didn't know where he was at, but yeah. he's living in the same house. Yeah. So then finally, you know, we lived an hour away, like I was saying. So then my mom popped up on him when we got, we had to leave um, the IE. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, I mean, he, he turned to, you know, smoking and drinking and mm-hmm. he was just like working side jobs just to make enough money to do whatever. But when me and my brother mo- and my mom moved in. He immediately got back to hustling. He was picking up jobs, using whatever his degree and all that stuff. He, he was your, using all that.
1: So you all moved, like you, yeah. your mom, so everybody moved he, back. He had in this.
0: With him. He had we had a house that yeah. my grandma had that mm-hmm. um, that he ended up paying for while he was taking care of her, and then he built uh, like a studio on the garage. So while my grandma lived in the front, he stayed in that studio he built. So mm-hmm. when my mom moved in, he asked her, do you want to live in the front with your kids? My mom, you know, she's a little peace and quiet, so she moved to that little back room. Yeah, she, yeah. she got kids getting ready to go to high school and stuff. She don't want to hear yeah. everything. So yeah. she stayed in that back house, and then my dad stayed in the front with us. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, my dad worked, my mom worked, like I want to say graveyard. Mm-hmm. So we rarely saw her during the week. And Then, my dad worked during the day, so when we 'd come home, my dad'd be on the front porch, you know smoking whatever so if i if I talked to anybody about something during high school, I never really got like affection from my dad as far mm. as like do yeah, i love you and all right, that right. which i i i I do know people need that, kids need that, but when you're from where I'm from, yeah, it, it's you rather have the structure and the ownership over that, and that's what I got. But my mom yeah. loved it, so so on the weekends, that's when we would like really see my mom. And then we yeah. go we go back to watch because that's where all my family was at mm-hmm. and hang out with my grandma, my brothers and sisters and stuff. But yeah, oh, so man. I had both of them there, but all throughout high school. It, it wasn't your typical come home sit at the table thing. Mm-hmm. I would see my dad. We'd eat the same thing all the time. It would be a full chicken, green beans, corn and rice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I swear like that was <laughs> it, but I didn't complain yeah, cause I was working. So I, I was, I was working since 12. Meal. I always yeah. had a job. Yeah. So I was getting my Popeye's and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, so I did have both. So that's why I always give both of them credit. Cause my mom helped me. I was able to see a lot of stuff, how my mom was, treated how you know the stuff she's been through dealing with my older brother and and not that my older brother was my older brother's not a bad he's one of the funniest people you'll meet um if you saw him you'd probably like off his demeanor and presence you'd probably get a little nervous the second you meet him he's 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 hilarious yeah but um you know he's he's he was him and his friends were doing stuff and whatever so there's a lot of stress on my mom so but to watch her she just she's very religious Mm. so instead of her turning to like any type of substance. She always just prayed and go to church. We was one of those families in church all the time. Yeah. So that's how that, that's how life was from until I left at 21 and I was just basketball. Bas- I just made sure basketball was at the forefront of everything I did. So if I was going to go do something, is this going to interfere with basketball? No, I'm doing it. Okay. If, if there was something that was questionable, me and, and the homies want to do, I'm like, man, could this end basketball for me? Yeah. All right, I ain't going to go y'all. But the thing is, I ended up having a few friends, a few close friends. We're, we're close friends to this day. They they all still live in L.A. That they were on the same thing as me. They were all basketball or football players, all in the same within the same age of one or two years. And we were all from that same environment of, of nothing. And we all had older people around us. Like, man, y'all stupid. What are y'all this, that, and the other? But you got to understand, we still... You know, we still diss, like, we still fight, we still, yeah, you, you know, have to, did right? that type of it's stuff. Just yeah. Not but as far as really anything avoid, that was yeah. going to get us, you know, locked up or anything, we stayed away from it.
1: Yeah. And we that's all good. stayed
0: away from it. But, like, nobody called us a square or nothing like that for one, because we all talk trash. It was mm-hmm. all. Like family we was all cool, and, mm-hmm. and we would all get we all get down, no problem. So yeah. Like we, it, yeah, it's different than somebody trying to do something right and they're getting bullied. We didn't get bullied no. for doing what was right. We got yeah. we got praised. We got talked about because it was yeah. like funny, like oh y'all squares, but it was there was it was, that was just a joke. Everybody right. who was calling a square, no, they was, respected was proud of it. it. Yeah, 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 they respected 100%.
1: it. Yeah, they they knew why you guys were staying away yeah. and trying to yeah. give the athletics a real shot. You can't do both,
0: you know. Some do.
1: Some do. <laughs> but, you know, but rarely it yeah, doesn't no, work out. Yeah.
0: 100%. You might can't. not even make it to see it. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, um, so you were really focused on basketball through high school. You you mm-hmm. played on the high school team yeah. and all that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what what was the transition from once you got done with high school? What what where were you there from the time you said you were 21?
0: So when I graduated, my senior year kind of got messed up by – it didn't get messed up, but going into my senior year, I thought this was going to be my year because my goal was to eat the leftovers of my homie Frank because Frank Mm -hmm. was highly recruited, Mm -hmm. star player, and then he Mm -hmm. ended up um, transferring out of the school for whatever reason, and I still hold that to him to this day. I'm like, yeah, you're the reason why I couldn't go far because <laughs> he had all the people looking at him. He had all yeah. the hype. So going going into my – I didn't play my junior year so for you certain reasons. So you get attention oh, because, because they going,
1: were a point. Okay. Anything yes. he left on the plate, I was taking yeah, it. And, right.
0: And he – um, yeah, man, he, he ended up leaving the school mm. right before the season started. Mm. And then my coach got fired for some stuff. So going into my senior year, we had a meeting, and they were saying – They had the team vote. Do we want to cancel the season or bring in some random coach? So we ended up bringing in a teacher said coaches and we still went deep in the playoffs because we still had shooters, man. We had players, but we we were missing a key piece. And I I, I ain't going to throw him under the bus, but he definitely left and and messed it up. So um, when I graduated high school, there was no, I was going to go to Jackson state Mm -hmm. university. I always wanted to go to Arizona state that fell through. So I was going to go to Jackson state and, um, you know, being from LA and then calling the school to to talk about if if all my if my acceptance and all that was still good. And they I missed the deadline for housing. And then I was just talking to them. They was like, You got family in this deep southern accent. And I'm like, at the time, LA is the world to me. So I was like, heck no, nah, I ain't going to Mississippi. Man. Like hey, I ain't going out there. It sounded so country to me at the time. Cause you gotta think we didn't have all this internet and stuff. So I was like, that's too far. So I ended up trying to go to JUCO. I went to one JUCO and went and talked to the coach. He had his team put together and all this stuff. So then I just didn't play. So I started working. I was already working. I was at UPS. So then I went and got a second job at Kohl's. So I was working at UPS Graveyard. I'd get off at like 8 a.m. And then I'd go home, take a shower, go to school. And then after school, I'd go to Kohl's. And I did that three days a week, but I worked at UPS five days. So certain days I'd sleep, certain days I'd nap in the car. And mm. that's what I did. And then I end up, I was big into fashion. So I'm from the East side, right? And a lot of my East side friends are probably going to say something about this, but fashion's not big on the East side. It's, mm. that's, it's grimy. That's where it's like, yeah, that's, where, that's where you see all the stereotypes you see about LA, the Chucks, the Dickies, the Cortez for the Hispanics essays that's where you're going to see that on the East side. Mm. So I grew up in that, but I always wanted to be fresh. I always had friends. I played basketball, AAU with West side cats and stuff. So I always saw, you know, what they, what they were wearing and different stuff. And, and don't get me wrong there are fresh people on the East side, especially now, cause of, yeah. you know, but back then, I always was fresh. So I, I took my mom to get her hair done one time and this lady came out of the store. They were opening this new, um, they called it the hip hop clothing store, right? So they opened up this new store and she saw me walking and she was like, she called me over there and she's like, where do you work? I was like, I work at UPS and Coles. I was like, why? And she's like, you want to work here? And I was like, oh, so I went inside, saw the clothing store. I was like, oh, I'm about to get fresh. Mm-hmm. So I went in there. It was a bunch of. Like all oh, your typical rock aware, yeah, you know, fat form. I was like, oh, I'm about to get fresh. So I went there and then she hired me on the spot. And then I ended up becoming the manager of that and I quit UPS because that, that graveyard. That, that was yeah. that was that was work. Yeah. Loading them trucks was work. So yeah. I just started going to school, but at that point, I never had a direction of what I was gonna do after basketball. Yeah. So I was just at school t- to be cool. Hanging out with some of my closest friends, the guy who I call my brother, he's my daughter's godfather. I met him at Santa Monica College. Mm. I met some of my close friends right now to this day at Santa Monica, Santa Monica College. So I show up. One of my homeboys, Jack, he raps. We used, to, we used to be sitting at the lunch table. He'd be rapping, and he didn't. Even, he he never went to class. Yeah. Backpack, <laughs> notepad, lunch tables yeah. in college. So I go there, hang out. I wouldn't even care about school. Like I didn't know right. what I was going to do. Yeah. But I still just got good grades. Yeah. I Still passed my classes, and then, um. You know, I went to another school, long story. short, I went to another school, but I was, we also, I started promoting, promoting parties. We had a, a dude that was a few years older than us and he was working for a, a label and he was like the big homie to my boy, Adib and all that. So he was like, yo, y'all yeah, need to start this party. And Adib had this crew called 110 and it's one idea, 10 dudes, everything we do 110%. Right. So he was, and at this time, me and Adib, like best friends, we are inseparable. So we, um, we throw our first party and and we we do that, and it makes a little bit of money, you know, but nothing major, but I didn't see a future in that personally i i i mean he's making he he has a that entertainment, 110, collaborated with another group called Blackout, and now they're one supreme team. I'm Both of the dudes that started there are my boys, Adib and Gary. Mm-hmm. So they started that, and that was one of the biggest entertainment things in L.A. So I'm like, dang, man, maybe I shouldn't, you know, but it wasn't a risk I was going to take. So in between that stuff happened, but what what happened was I ended up joining the Air Force out of nowhere. But I stopped playing yeah. basketball. I quit. I went to a school to play juco, and there was a bus strike in L.A., public transportation at the time. My mom had to drop, had to catch the bus like an hour away to get retrained on a job. Cause she had surgery on her wrist for carpal tunnel. So she had no way of getting there. So I dropped out of school to take her. Cause I had to either choose to drop out of school or stop working. I wasn't going to stop working. So yeah. I would, I would, I dropped out of school and I would take her and then go pick her up. Mm-hmm. So I was just like basketball is not meant for me. Cause every time something good happens, I have to end it. So I gave up basketball. And then while I was, I was making good money, um, being the manager for this clothing store, I ended up quitting Kohl's, and then I was just being the manager of the clothing store, doing parties, and then just living like because I lived at home. All the only bill I had was a cell phone and card note. Mm-hmm. So here I'm bringing in like thirty five hundred back in two thousand and four.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, that's a like
0: lot yeah. Of money, I'm paying like I'm paying for I'm taking yeah. girls on dates. I'm paying for you in and out. Like it was it was cool, but I just did not like this. Just wasn't nothing I planned. You're like what in 20 time I'm. I turned, I was 20 20. because we were promoting parties before we were 21.
2: Mm -hmm. because We
0: had our older homie. So I was 20 in 2004. And then in 2005, I remember early that year, I was getting wind at the store myself. So now I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to do this party thing. And there's a story behind it. But I ended up Taking somebody to a recruiting thing for the Air Force. Yeah. Dude, selling me a dream. You're going to be a special ops. And I'm like, I don't mind being a killer. I'll go out there and then yeah. end up joining and became an aircraft mechanic. And they. Where uh, <laughs> <way laughs> do you say that? It's <laughs> the bottom of the barrel of the military. <laughs> so, but it sounded so elaborate. It was yeah, like this yeah, yeah. hydraulic Superman savor of the airplane yeah. type of this long yeah. title that made you think, like, I'm about to. Oh shoot! Yeah. I'm about to be working with the president, and yeah. um, so I ended up doing that, and and that was the best decision I ever made in my life. It was mm. the, it was none of my friends believed me. Yeah, they didn't believe me until I had a barbecue for the Fourth of July at Going Away Barbecue. Yeah. And they all showed up and my family was there and they was like, yo, you really going? Yeah. I'm like, bro, I leave tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the first time my friends because L.A. was you got to think L.A. at the time was authentic. It's not like how it is now because it's such a heavy influence because so many people moved there at the time. L.A. was the most fun place you could be. It was authentic, man. It was fun Mm. and nobody could believe I was leaving. I could I was trying to get sent back to L.A. like through the military Mm. and nah, first base Japan. Japan. So that's what happened. And that's how I got in the military.
1: So um, like you joined up, you went through training. Yeah. And then you were in Japan.
0: Yeah. Right? Just like Tokyo.
1: within probably like I left, 4 I left the months 5th of July or something.
0: For for boot camp. Yeah. And boot camp was different cuz now I'm putting in this environment with people who not only I've never been around these these like backwood dudes and stuff yeah. but people who have never been around people like me yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you can just imagine the
1: whole melting pot and when yeah, you show up to boot like... camp
0: it's not like you look around like which bed i'm gonna get they go here 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 so yeah. i remember they put me in between two dudes that did not like me yeah from the jump
1: oh my goodness you,
0: you know but we made it through
1: they probably do that on purpose so at some level right to I, I, make
0: i like to i, I hope so yeah. I'm like, why? Well, I remember yeah. one of the kids said something. He, this is what he said. His name was Rogues. He uh-huh. said, I'm not talking to him or any of the others, right? So, yeah, right. Oh, so I looked goodness. at the ceiling and was like, what did I do? Yeah. And then I'm still fresh out of LA, so I'm still a hothead. Yeah. So I, immediately I'm like, right, I'm going to fight this dude. All yeah, right, no you know, doubt. You know? mm-hmm. But we ended up, he ended up getting to know. He's a very unathletic kid. And boot camp is about passing physical tests and stuff, parts of it. And yeah. I, you know, I was an athlete my whole life. I didn't really lift weights or nothing like that, but running and pushups, like, you know, so I ended up helping him more than anything. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up like giving me kudos at the end of it and thanking yeah. me. So it, it's,
1: um, it's probably just like you said, it's just because he'd never been around. He never been, he had never you. talked, yeah. had a conversation I don't even like saying one of you, but yeah. you know no, what he I mean? Had never had a conversation yeah. with a black dude. Yeah. Exactly. Prior to yeah.
0: meeting people at the, right. like the pre camp thing that you go to. Yeah.
1: That's awesome, man. I, um, I have a a story from like when I was locked up. Yeah. I won't say the whole thing, but short story of it is like the first day I'm in jail, I see this huge Aryan on the yard. (laughs) He's like six, six got the swastika, like just big old dude. Like what you imagine in a movie of a guy you don't want to cross paths with in jail.
0: History X type.
1: Yeah. And so, um, and I remember saying, like, please, God, don't let me end up being, like, near this guy or, like, you know what I mean? Like, don't put me in a cell with that guy or yeah. whatever. Well, I end up getting put in a, a unit with him. And, um, I, like, I knew people from the street, so I knew all sorts yeah. of people when I was in there. And m- one of my homies, Terrio, black guy, came into my unit. And I was like, yo, bro, like, I'm trying to tell him, but it all happened so quick. Yeah dude comes in yeah. and he's like standing behind Terrio so like this whole situation almost went really bad and um, you know I'm not going to say dude's name but the um, we'll just call him Big Tony. Big Tony uh, he tells me he's like yo bro don't ever let he says the n-word yeah. in my room Yeah, and I'm like yo like my bad I was trying to tell homie to get out of yeah. here he's like I don't care if you want to talk to them but you don't ever let him in my room because yeah. it was his room yeah. not mine yeah, you know you're, you're, it's you're his. yeah
0: you're you prison. know
1: i'm just uh i'm just allowed yeah. to live here <laughs> you know if he chooses so so um but i got to know him and really same situation he never really been around homies you know what i mean been around brothers so i like he liked me because i wasn't a tweaker i was solid you know so me and him got close easy roommate and i would be talking to him about these things i'm like yo like like where does this really come from why do you really feel this way you know what i mean like it doesn't really make sense to me why you would hate another man because of his skin color yeah like we're all the same like i just don't like tell me why you feel this way he'd he'd bring up things like it's in the bible i'm like i've read the whole bible front (laughs) to back i there's nothing in there that literally says you at all. Yeah. So we we broke this whole thing down. I'm gonna end it up quick, but this situation happened in there with some other fellas on the other side of things and this whole situation came about where like all my black homies, all my Latino homies and and this homie, Big Tony, um all came together to handle a situation in there. Hey. And so by situation, yeah. So crazy thing is, is like one of my homies, Vince, he was an artist. Tony was an artist, yeah. like tattoo artist and stuff. Vince was a rolling 60, you know, total, like these dudes would never be in the same room before this yeah. transpired before this event transpired. Well, like later that day before I got like raided and yeah. took up out and to <laughs> put in the hole, but before that happened. I went into Tony's room because I was now in a different unit um, or a different room and uh, I go in and Tony and Vince are drawn together <laughs> and I come in there and I'm like yo this is so cute and they're like shut the fuck you know what yeah. I mean and, but it was just it was really funny and then tony after that he grew his hair out to cover up his swastika and he you know still about it but he would come and talk to the black homies with me all the time and like we just broke that barrier with him you know and it was just because i think i was that catalyst for him to understand like yo like these people they're good people bro like or you know not all of us in there were good people but there was a lot of us just lost in situations and it was really cool to see him switch his mindset from being totally tattoos swastika on the head to like i'ma grow my arts hair and out for black dude. It, uh. yeah arts and crafts like right. the white dude. daryl davis i that's, might be on that's,
0: that's the guy that got into the klu klux klan and flipped the, off oh, the okay black yeah
1: yeah yeah all right Ars but it, it's a it's a story i'd like to share on the podcast in full sometime but yeah not this isn't about that story. No, that's, this is cool. about that's, you, so. that's a cool
0: story. But yeah. it's sometimes it's just a conversation. Yeah. have. They just don't know. Like yeah. a lot of people think, you know, how it is with um, like, so if you're, if you're from where I'm from and the only white people you see are cops. And then you look on TV and the TV you're watching is showing off, like racist white people. What are mm-hmm. you going to think? Yeah. that White people are racist. Yeah. And, and, and if you never get out of that environment mm-hmm. and then you become an adult and think that yeah. it's very hard to change an adult. Exactly. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with trying to change adults. That's why I want to, that's why I try to deal with kids. Cause you can easily put them in gut. And it's the same thing. If you got this kid, Rose, who's from West Virginia, who never talked to a black dude, all he sees is what the news is showing. And this, that when he sees one, he's going to immediately think he's going to be like what he saw. Yeah. So he, he didn't have to let this, I'm not going to say the other dude's name. Cause that I actually fought the other dude, but <laughs> yeah. um, he let him know. I'm not talking to blah, 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 you know, et cetera. And yeah. it's just like right now, if you saw a tiger. You've never been around a tiger, right? So if you saw a tiger in person Whoa. right now, what's the first? All right. Yeah. Okay, a lion.
1: Not in the wild. That's yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. right? So you've yeah. never
0: been. So you've seen movies of tigers? Yeah. You know what tigers do or lions do? Yeah. So if one came walking in his room right now, what's your first reaction? You're gonna want to run, right? Uh, you're not gonna I would survive.
1: Freeze. But I don't want. I don't think I would but move. But you're gonna be scared, right? Oh, now, yeah, granted, I'd that lion or tiger mad, is gonna kill you. I'd be All mad right? scared, bro. This, this <laughs> is a drastic.
0: This is a drastic yeah, scenario because yeah. that lion tiger is really gonna kill you. Yeah. But you're basing everything off that lion tiger from what you saw and what you 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 heard.
1: Well, you assume it's gonna kill you. right? You assume 100. percent right? yeah. That's
0: yeah. like I thought a grizzly bear. When I saw a grizzly bear out with a friend, mm. I thought we were dead. He's like, no, 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 this time of year, just stay still, let them walk yeah. by. They're not gonna. I'm like. I'm thinking if a grizzly bear sees me, he's just going to kill me. Yeah. But granted, I don't ever want to be in the run of a grizzly bear, but that's just the thing. Like if, if this is all you know is, is fear. Or like if you see something that you're like, man, if I ever see one, they try that on me, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. When you see one, you're going to be ready. You're going to tense yeah. up everything. And that's just how it is a lot of times. They just don't have the, the, cause I quick, like I said, I learned early, fortunately, because of that coach put me in that environment. But if you got people who have never been out of that environment, and you're from LA and all you know is blacks and Mexicans, the the where I'm from, the only Asian people are the people at the liquor stores, the the, the you know either the Chinese restaurant or Thai restaurant, mm-hmm. or they don't live in my neighborhood. So yeah. that's what we know more from is from what we grew up with. So I know that growing up, I knew that blacks and Mexicans are Hispanics, not just Mexicans, you know, but blacks and Hispanics were poor in my head unless they did something big and then i thought that just white people were rich yeah <laughs> that's, that's a kiss that's my whole and i'm not the only one but yeah so uh,
1: bro yeah that makes 100 yeah. percent sense yeah. like you and a lot of people from those areas that i like i'm sure you know homies back home that never really even got away from 100%, 100%. where
0: they're
1: where they've been at their whole lives like they don't And haven't experienced anything really but the block.
0: I have friends I can't even talk to. Granted, none of my close friends. But I have friends that if I go back and and we all get together, I can't even hold real conversations with them because of their views. And just like how I expect if I have a friend who is Mexican or white, and then they have – we're good friends. And then their friends or their family, Mm -hmm. our friends are like, man, I don't like him because he's this, that. that." I expect them – if they're anything like me, then they're starting to separate themselves from them. There's no way you can be around that all the time. And and you can't tell me that you love me or you care about me. And then you're around this person all the time. That's just completely hates me. Like you, there's no way like that's not even, you can't even do that where I'm from. It's like, you not getting along with this person and then your friend hanging around them. Like that's just not where we're from. So that, that that's I how I have it is.
1: big but, problems yeah. with that kind of stuff. Well, A lot
0: of times you, know you have to get away from it because it's yeah. business and stuff. But, yeah. but anyways, back to yeah. the story, that's how I got to military and joined it. I got to Japan that way. Like, by yeah. um, I just the first base, I was trying to get every California base. Let me stay in Cali. If I got to go to the Bay area or wherever, let me stay in Cali. Yeah. And they was like, Nope. I didn't even mm. put Japan on my list. Yeah. Send me to Japan.
1: But, were you like? Once you got there, was that like just an amazing experience? Or oh, what it was, was so dope. Yeah, because I
0: was a sneaker dude. Yeah. like when I say there was no such thing as a sneakerhead back then. We didn't have titles, and we got mm-hmm. talked about. So you was just a dude that had way too many sneakers, and yeah. people would call you a girl. Like, oh, you like a woman, man? You got all these shoes. <laughs> but the people that I was doing it, yeah. didn't care. Yeah. But the, the ones i, I was, they did not understand it. Why you got a shoe? Why you got a uh, toothbrush with you all the time? Like they didn't understand that. So even when I was going from middle school to high school, I already had over 150 pairs of shoes Mm -hmm. and this is back in the the night, late Mm nineties. That was, you didn't see people with sneaker collections. It wasn't a collection. Yeah. It was just, I just bought shoes so frequent that I had so many. And then by the time I'm joining the air force, I got like 400 and something, 500 pairs of shoes. So I, I take, I get to Japan, I wasn't going to take any, but I got there and some some dudes I met there tried to flex on me and text. I, I, one of my close friends, his name is Monty, he's from VA, he's a sneaker dude too. We met in Texas and we were both going to Japan. And he was one of the first dudes I met that was into sneakers like me. And I'm like, okay, like, but at the time he wasn't really keeping them and taking care of he's from that DC yeah. DC area that, you know, that um, DMV area. Mm-hmm. He's from Alexandria, I believe. So he would be out there. So sneakers was big out there, but not everybody was keeping them, keeping them clean. They just stayed buying them. Yeah. So he was like, I, I had like 15 shoes sent to me, like from home, like that. He go in my little dorm room, the closet <laughs> and it's full of shoes. Like, dang. So he started paying more attention to it. He's right now. Cause I gave all my shoes away. He probably has one of the best sneaker collections that I know personally. Wow. Because in Japan, all we did was, well, I got there before him and I would just get the train system and I'd go to Tokyo and I'd just find sneaker stores. There's this store in LA that used to be hidden. It used to be a hidden gym. And it's in, I want to say Koreatown. I might be wrong, but it's, I think it's in Koreatown and it's called Riff. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Riff was, oh, it's a consignment store. Mm-hmm. So it was not popular. There was no mm-hmm. internet popping, nothing like that. So I stumbled across it by riding my bike because like I wanna see the Chinatown, career town, I feel bad for not knowing it. But if you ride my if I ride my bike downtown, because I worked at McDonald's downtown, mm-hmm. you I would ride my bike by and I always pop in like, oh shoot. Mm-hmm. So I would always go there and get shoes. Mm-hmm. So when I told them I was leaving for Japan, he's like, Yo, our sister store is in Japan. Oh, yeah. So I was like, Oh, for real. So I knew, okay. I'm gonna go to Shinjuku, I'm gonna go to, to um, Shibuya, I'm gonna go to, to I'm gonna go to all these places and go look for sneakers. So when I went to their sister's store, I was like, where's some other stores at? And he's telling me these cities, and I'm like, internet just gets, you know, it's popping. It's 06. So I'll just go look for these shoes and I hop on the train. So every weekend, I was down there spending all my money on sneakers that are going for thousands right now. I remember when the diamonds came out, the SBs. The, yeah, the, oh, Diamond Supply, the Tiffany's? Yeah. Two pairs. Yeah. Oh, the, the the De La Souls came out. Oh, let me get a pair. The Atmos. Atmos was in Japan, starting in Japan. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me get all the Atmos collabs. I remember I flew to Singapore to get a pair of, of SB Dunks. Flew mm-hmm. to Singapore. Flew to England. I mean, England. I flew to Italy to get the a pair of the Quiet ones because at the time, they weren't being released everywhere. That's yeah. only in Italy for the tournament. Mm-hmm. So I would go, was it Italy or Paris? It might be Paris. one of the two, I forgot, but I flew yeah. there to get the pair of shoes. I flew to Singapore. <laughs> that's, that's how, that's much how you crazy traveled. That was. Yeah. you don't
1: even know. It was that's like, how it was crazy. Yeah. I went
0: though, I got them. But it was, sneakers was yeah. my life. Yeah. So I put my headphones on, mm-hmm. put on like some Wale, not, not Wale. Wale came out with his first album. I Wale. love Wale, dude. At the time, I, I wasn't the biggest fan because a lot of his early music had so much go go. Yeah. And, and my boy Monty uh. put me on to it, but uh. I just, it didn't click. So I, yeah. I think I put on like Lil Wayne Carter too, or uh. I put on Jay Z. And and I just put my headphones on, you know, my disc because iPhones came iPods came out like around that time. I I put on my disc and I hit the train, man, my backpack. Mm -hmm. And I just be walking around all over different cities in Japan looking for sneakers.
1: Man, uh, that's amazing, bro. So it sounds like you getting into the military... And just being kind of out there like that, that's probably why you're so adventurous. Like you just like in in the shoes, chasing the shoes was like, I'm willing to go by myself to wherever to get these things.
0: Well, the military is what got me traveling.
1: Right. Yeah. But getting over there and being a sneakerhead is really what led to you. So military and shoes has really led to you being adventurous. Like it sounds like.
0: Well, as far as like outdoors.
1: No, just, or just, just, just like, going 100%. like you just go places. No, I bro, get that to the military so, yeah, before yeah.
0: the military. I I only left L. A. for for basketball. Mm-hmm. So joining the military that was the first time it like took me out. out. Like, yeah. Like, I'm, like oh. they didn't give me like a little head start. Put me in, you know, maybe like Texas because <laughs> Texas is a different country too, right? Yeah. Put me in like yeah, Texas, yeah. Or yeah. Florida. Florida is definitely a different country. <laughs> yeah. They sent me straight to Japan, but it yeah. was the best thing because it it let this was my first time being out of the house at twenty one. Mm-hmm. And it mo- it allowed me to start molding myself young and be me, yeah, without the influence of l a so now I get to see if if everything that I was raised with and stuff is that really me like this l a attitude and culture and stuff, or is there something that I just couldn't explore because it wasn't popping in l a in l a mm-hmm. you only do what's popping at the time, even it's even more so now, probably, but you only do what's popping you know I tried to be different, like my boys will tell you I tried to do like I tried to dress different. And you get roasted and nothing like that didn't mm. work. And then you try this. <laughs> I, I used to try stuff. They, yeah. I remember when the sidekick came out, uh-huh. this other device came out called an Ogo. And it's this big two-way texting <laughs> machine, right? And uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to get this. And my homie was like, yeah, it's basically the same thing, right? I bought it and got it. First day, man, look at that big old thing you got on. I'm like, dude, you told me to, You know, so I was always yeah. trying to be different. But everything I tried in LA, I was like, man, that's whack. Granted, it was whack. The stuff I did was whack. But I knew I knew always, I knew there was always something different. Yeah. So when I got to Japan, this was allowed me to be who I am. And what, when, um, one of the big things about me being outdoors and stuff is I remember when I was young, so I told you I worked for clean and green. Well, when I was 13, I worked for another portion of it where they worked with the California conservation, uh, corpse and they would go out and rebuild trails and mountains. Oh, cool. So, um, I convinced, I was like, man, I so I convinced one of my homies t- mm-hmm. to get the job with me, my boy Gerv mm-hmm. and he was like, all right, cool. I'll make money with 13. Right. Yeah. And so what we would do is we would go hiking Mm-hmm. All the time through Malibu and all that to prepare us for Arrowhead Mountain.
2: Mm.
0: So, for two weeks, we'd hike around Southern Cali. Mm-hmm. And then, for two weeks, we would go to the mountains and rebuild trails, stay in tents, cook your food. Mm. They dig a hole, put two, two uh, logs across it. They call oh, that's it cheek awesome, spreader. Um, we did all yeah. that, took a bath in the water, yeah. all that. For yeah. Two weeks, two kids from the east side. Yeah. And then we go back home, two weeks of hiking and preparing, two weeks of doing that. Well, at one of the times, the first time I went out there, it was a lot of stuff going on in my neighborhood. And the Hispanic gangs and some you know, yeah. of the black gangs with beef, and it was shootouts, right? Mm. So, um. All the, the older dudes, oh Jesus, telling us like, yo, you, I need to stay away from here right now. So, like, mm. telling us in my neighborhood. So, at that time, while they're telling us this and it's going crazy, and I remember this, one of my, my friends got killed right before this too. So, things was was bad. I, I end up going out there for doing the trail for fourteen days, and and I remember, you know, the whole time I'm thinking about home. Yeah. But I'm doing my job and and, and everything. Then I go back home and it's hot, right? Mm. It's still. So I'm I'm you know I'm going hiking and doing then I go back out the second time and the second time I go out is when I realized like man so peaceful out here like this is crazy like we didn't have cell phones this is 90 so Mm. we didn't have nothing all we had was we we played games out there we would Mm. do stuff but we fish we'd do all that but it was like you didn't have to worry about nothing that I was worrying about back home and that's the first time that I took the outdoors and mountains and hiking. And it became like a stress reliever for me because mm. when at that time in LA in my neighborhood, it was hot. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're always, you're, you know, you're, you're the way you're moving and everything was, was, and I'm a am a middle school. So that's how I got into hiking. And my dad bought me like Swiss army nice as a kid. Like he did all that stuff. Cause he, he did all that growing up. So he bought me all the Swiss. I still have it to this day, but that's how I, Incorporated the outdoors into my life because um, whenever I'm making a big decision or whenever I'm stressing or overwhelmed I just go I go on a hike that's not going to kill me the way that hike we did did, but um, that's going to like tire me out that's going to push me and then when I get to the top and I'm sitting there when you're trying to come down and yeah. just relaxing that's that time where you can really think because yeah. your body's in survival mode you're just relaxing and that's when I can get it all out so that's that's how I ended up being such a big hiker and then traveling the world to hike and do all that stuff
1: yeah um well that sounds like you getting into that was like the perfect time for you to be so young and then be from an environment and realize like oh over here out here this is this is peaceful yeah this is Something and unap- like because a Point lot. If you ne- maybe if you never got out of your environment we, we, and you didn't have those experiences, know. we don't know, we bro. Like know. how you could have turned out, but because you were able to have that and like tap in with nature, like I'm sure, like you said, it like clicked something in your mind where it's like.
0: This is different. Like yeah. this is peaceful. Like I'm, wow. I'm out there where, where typically people are up all night because they're like they can't sleep because of the bird. I mean, the bugs and the. But I'm, a, I'm knocked out in my tent. Cause I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm in my tent like slumped because yeah. like the stuff that we're worried about. Don't bother me. They ain't got Helicopters. <laughs> you ain't got nothing going on. You just oh, out there. Man. It's completely silent. You hear yeah. everything. But they was, they was like, dang, how's this kid? Like, how are you so calm out here? I'm like, bro, y'all
1: bro, don't have bro. real no. problems like me. But These I mean, ain't problems. I
0: remember that and it's crazy and, and the, you know what's even crazier as a kid knowing that right knowing that, yeah, like, that. if I just go hike and stuff this will ease stress yeah. LA was is such a, a competitive city that once I stopped doing that job like I did that for a year and then I started working on another branch of it and then when I got to high school I stopped doing it all along. I started getting real like, like McDonald's and stuff right like but I stopped hiking and stuff because it wasn't cool yeah so I was like, man, if I ask my like, you want to go hiking? I ain't yeah. get my Air Force Wars yeah, dirty. Right, exactly. I ain't get my, you know. So mm-hmm. that's that. It, it I, I went away from it, and yeah. actually, not until I moved to Spokane is when I got back into it. Really? Yeah,
1: that long. We gotta
0: think. Once I left Spokane, I was all oh, I'm in Japan and I'm in England. I'm, yeah, you know. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not living the, same, you know, I'm, I'm not in an environment. You didn't hike can,
1: in Japan at all.
0: I uh, Mount Fuji. Yeah. But didn't even get to the finishing part of it because because okay. it. yeah. it, it's only like a month and a half, a month and a half that you can do it. Right. And then so that's one of my list of things I got to do. I got to go back. Did
1: you I snowboard think. in Japan? Heck no, I ain't snowboarding.
0: Snowboard.
1: Oh, I think we did talk about they that before.
0: Snowboard? What? Yeah, dude. They got- no, that just, <laughs> look, you know why that's people in L.A. Are starting <laughs> to snowboard? Uh-huh. Like people from, because of social media.
1: Oh, for sure, hey when I first Dude, I'm started just saying like you snowboard. know Japan, I'm just saying though snowboarding in Japan Bro, is like I told you.
0: I had one goal in Japan, <laughs> sneakers, Sorry. sneakers, like two and a half years of sneak. When yeah. I left Japan and came to America, I had yeah. so many exclusive pairs of shoes <laughs> because they used to only be released in Japan. Nike right. had a Code.JP. I know, I'm
1: know. i listening to Shoe Dog right now and how the, they all started. So
0: you had Euros. Everything
1: in Japan was you how had Nike started. They yeah. only came
0: out in Europe. You had Kodak JPs that only came out in Japan and Mm -hmm. then you had regionals in America that only came out one East coast, one West coast, one, uh, South in the Midwest. Yeah. So that's how it was. And you Mm -hmm. couldn't get them unless you went there because we did not have, you know, the means, the reselling and all that. So I was on these different websites the different sneaker websites. And I remember one of the biggest dudes on there, it was a site called Sneaker Play. And I was really cool with this girl in New York and I was really cool with this dude in LA. And I forgot his name until recently because I was trying to show a friend. His name is Afro Kicks. He's actually like cool friends with my my brother, Adib. Mm-hmm. My, you know, but his Afro Kicks, and if you look up his Instagram, you'll see he doesn't follow the trends of these other sneakerheads, sneakerheads, because it wasn't a thing called sneakerheads. No. But these people and Nike Talk, I was on Nike Talk, Sneaker Play, and Uptowns.net. And I'd be on there, you, you just communicating with other dudes who like sneakers around the world, and they'd be like, yo, can you get me the Atmos? Uh, yeah. air maxes i'm like yeah just shoot me the you know MoneyGram yeah, or PayPal western union or me the money <laughs> and they then i go buy it is, PayPal, and yeah. that's literally heck no oh, yeah it was a western union money so they send me the money <laughs> and i send them man. they yeah. just trust me because yeah. we had this thing so right. i was sending people back in the states japan releases mm-hmm. and but when a J- jordan came out that was only releasing cali or only i do the same thing like yo right. let me get those J's, let me get those and and that's how we was doing things back then but sneaker play and nike talk Mm -hmm. And we was just just talking. It it was different then because it wasn't about like impressing people. Because keep in Mm -hmm. mind, we didn't get love for having all these different sneakers. Mm -hmm. Like now you go out with a dope pair of shoes, every young kid, everybody's looking like, dang, he got those. Back then, the only person that knew what we had on was other dudes who was into it. Mm -hmm. So we did it because we love sneakers.
1: They might know you like, they might like that. Those are Dude looks good, no, but they some, don't know nothing them, about the sneakers were, themselves. Yeah, some of them yeah. they'd
0: be like, "Man, them is ugly." Oh, like yeah. you wear a shoe with multiple. Co- like if you wore a what, when, like a what the dunk? Yeah. Out the average person is like, "Man, it's ugly." <laughs> but the dude who's in the sneakers, sneaker head, like, yeah. dude, the dunks. you know, so that's the um that that's what it, that's why I got out of the sneakers because it just for me growing up it was something different. Mm. And then now it's just like I mean anybody can have a dope sneaker. I he need money. That's yeah. why every rapper has it. The only rapper that had. Dope sneaker collections back in the day was Fat Joe, of mm. course. Uh, DJ Clark Clint has one of the best Air Force collections. Um, uh, D- Greg Street and the best rapper sneaker game, Wale by far. Yeah. Wale. And Fab too, but Wale's is Fab's more not like, you know, but before the fame, Wale had the sneakers. So that's the.
1: Yeah, Wale is one of my favorite. Yeah. Rap artist Artist He's an artist yeah. Beyond rap One of the but most underrated rappers Yeah he's He's I think he's my He's definitely Top yeah. three for me right now yeah. His stuff has been Killing it definitely. The last couple of years man I mean yeah. he's been killing it From day one But I have really got into him recently yeah. And listened to him a lot Oh yeah But yeah obviously His sneaker And more about is, nothing
0: Mixtape just released on, on Yeah my channel, so, Yeah you know, I've so been I've bumping been that Oh yeah Yeah
1: Um so, all right. Eventually, you were, we can
0: talk about the business if you want. Yeah, well, we're getting there. We're getting there.
1: Yeah, let's... Okay. Um, Let's finish up, like, yep. your just right. full thing on the Air Force. Yep. So, uh, you were in Japan, yep. and then how did you get from Japan over to Spokane?
0: So, I ended up doing, like, four months in England... And then I ended up bouncing through, like, we. I would go stay in um, TDY, is what they call it, in Germany. They call it what? TDY, Temporary Duty Station. Oh, god. Gotcha. I just mean that, that means that you're not staying there permanently. You're gotcha. just going there. yeah. So then um, I was bouncing around different, like, just for, like, TDY, mm-hmm. different places, and I was like, oh, shoot, I want to stay overseas. Mm-hmm. So I put in, I just wasn't ready to come back to the States, so I put in for Korea. And then usually when you get Korea, that's, like, because back in the day nobody wanted to go to Korea. And just because it's a little, you know, little area, it's nothing bad about Korea, but it's actually one of the party um, state duty stations. If you like, it's like a party yeah. a duty station. Yeah. Cause you couldn't take any dependents. You couldn't take your wife. If you're married, your husband, you couldn't take nobody. So, <laughs> oh, so, so, so it's like, like, yeah. So uh, at the time I had a girlfriend. Yeah, that's pretty clowny. And she's half black, half Korean. Yeah. And, and um, I remember she was deployed and I was like, oh, I'm putting in for Korea, you know I'm a, cool. And she was like, all right, I'm putting for it too. They sent me to Spokane. Oh, so I let her yeah. know. And then she was like, oh, this can't, we can't stay together because you know, yeah, blah, you know, whatever. And I was like, all right, back. So I came to to, to good old Spokane Austin. I don't even say it right, but yeah. I refuse to correct it because I've been yeah. saying it wrong for so long. But yeah. I called it Spokane, man. Yeah, but I came here 2007.
1: 2007. Yeah. That's when I graduated
0: in two thousand seven. So Came here, early 20s. All right. Scary times, man. <laughs> it was scary times. I did not yeah. like it. Yeah. Oh, I remember getting off the airplane, and then they come in to pick me up. And we have this thing in the Air Force, right, where if I see your name, well, they we used to. The Air Force is different. Mm. If, if And I learned this going to Japan. They'll look at your name, and they'll be like, you think he's black, you think he's white, you think he's Mexican, right? Here I am, Joseph Northcutt. Right, <laughs> Joseph Northcutt. Right, which I'm I'm so proud of, but yeah, very very, you know, straightforward. Who the heck is this guy? All right, so everybody at Fairchild, it, they 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 did the same game, right? And I had a feeling they were gonna do that. So I got to the Spokane airport, this little bitty airport, and I'm sitting there. I got my headphones on. I'm just listening to music, and I'm watching these military dudes just come looking around, <laughs> just look. After like ten minutes, I was like, "Yo, y'all looking for Joseph Because I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "That's me." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> so then they took me, but they 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 drove me around Airway Heights, uh-huh. and I originally thought Airway Heights was Spokane. Spokane. And I yeah. and this is two thousand seven, man. Mm-hmm. Like we had Walmart, we had the casino, but not the big, no, not the way it is like now. It is now, yeah. We had. <sighs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Taco Bell.
0: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I McDonald's. Think, I
1: think it came my junior, <laughs> like, senior year. We were all excited it for that. It was
0: rough. And I'm yeah. looking around and I'm leaving Tokyo. Yeah. I'm leaving right. the sneaker and denim Mecca. Mecca. At the time, you got to think True Religion was popping. Rock, uh, not Rockin' Republic. Rockin' Public popping too, but I was from L.A. But um, what's the Ivizu? Mm-hmm. True Religion, Ivizu. Even mm-hmm. though True Religion is based out of L.A., it's in Japan. Yeah. So Ivizu, Red Monkey. Like the denim was popping in Japan, so that's all I did was denim and sneakers. So mm-hmm. I loved it, and then I was playing basketball for a Nike team over there. So whenever I go to the Nike stores, they'd have clips of the tournaments. So I, man, like you know, I could, yeah, it was you know, awesome. I could stretch a, stretch the truth a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I play pro. You know, you know I, I, I could stretch the truth to the, to the yeah. nice Japanese people. Man, I loved it, and then I go from that to Spokane, Washington. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That excited. would have been rough.
0: It was exciting. <laughs> it was rough. Man. Yeah, I bet yeah. it was really rough, yeah.
1: man. Yeah, especially back then, because back in like that era, still people really were not excited about our city at all.
0: People weren't, it was it was yeah. still kind of like
1: Especially young people. Yeah, young people. That, will that say was the that. problem. is yeah.
0: everybody had this negative, this negative view of Spokane if you were young. For sure. And it's easy to adapt it. If you're somebody coming in, you'd be like, oh, if everybody, everybody feels that way. Everybody I meet.
1: Yeah. Like, Bro, man. Oh, damn. You got put in, here, you know, dude.
0: <laughs> but,
1: and people in the military feel that way. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's what Fair I'm Fairchild is not yeah.
0: a destination that people are One, fighting or, to yeah, get to. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like a sentence back in the day. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you got, you got That's two years at Fairchild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, um, yeah. no, I, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. There was no culture.
1: Yeah, I'd no come out culture. Here, yeah. You mm. know,
0: I I I'd meet people. And Especially I, I was from
1: Tokyo. I
0: found out that Gonzaga was here. I yeah. had no idea.
1: Yeah,
0: I knew Adam Morrison because he yeah. played against UCLA that one year. Yeah. And then I got like, oh, Gonzaga's here?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like that, yeah.
0: That was it. And I did not. But I, I'm not I'm a negative person. So I was like, all right, this is what we got. I'm going to make the best of it. And it was a horrible winter in 2008 and I had, no, I saw that on the, on the podcast. Yeah. No, it was yeah. that horrible winter, right? Yeah. And the dudes in my shop, because yeah. at the time, I was the only, only black dude in the shop. Uh-huh. They were gearing up to go boarding. and they were going to go boarding. and I was like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. So they take me to Mount Spokane. And I'm telling them I, I skateboarded growing up. They was like, same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got two different types of cool, like yeah. you got two different types of those young white dudes. You yeah. got the ones that's going to be like, oh, man, it's going to be rough, and then you got the ones that's like, <laughs> like oh yeah don't worry about it man yeah Oh, you skateboarding oh you skateboard same, same thing, thing. <laughs> same thing on snow right yeah. so i'm like bet so i get i rent my stuff i go out there they take me to the bunny hill and mm-hmm. it take me about an hour just to stay up on the board i'm going down it was like mm-hmm. if you can step on that board you can step on that rail <laughs> oh no so i remember i went off and i jumped up it's hot you know that because they used to have that it was a different bunny hill and and like skate park i'm not skate park but like the yeah terrain park yeah it was different mm-hmm. at least i remember it different mm-hmm. i'm not a big fan of a snowboard i'm also can but yeah i, I went off of it because you know whatever it's just it's snow it's not gonna hurt <laughs> so i went off of it <laughs> and i mean it was like just like that yeah. i spent and landed and i said all right i'm never doing that again yeah like, to this day no matter how good i've gotten i don't Rails I, I, I I don't want to i have nothing to prove yeah i have nothing to prove but anyways yeah so we we um I remember this was my first and only time snowboarding for years because the kid, he's one of those, like, oh, it's nothing. And I was like, all right, man. He's like, let's go up on, a, on another one. Mind you, when I was laying on the ground, he comes out of, like, a black, <laughs> like, just jumps off. So I'm yeah. like, clearly this kid is good. Yeah. So he's like, let's go on another one. I was like, all right, take me on one that's not as big. Yeah. But it's a little bigger than a bunny hill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you look up, if you're just looking up, you see the ones where you can see the stop. Mm-hmm. See, you can see the stop, and then you have a hill, and you see another one, but the hill shorter than the other ones. So he was like, "Well, that hill's not big." I was like, "All right, bet." So we're going up the thing, and we passed that hill, and now I can see the rest of of the the, the um the whatever the, the lift, summit. Oh the, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, "Dude," he was like, "Oh, you meant this hill?" <laughs> I got to I, first thing I asked him is, "How can I get down without snowboarding?" Like yeah. I'm thinking, like, "Can I just like wrap around?" Right. Go? He yeah. was like, "You got to go down, man." Yeah. So I was just like, I get to the top and we're going, I'll I go down. I didn't know how to stop. So I would go down, pick up speed, fall, mm-hmm. go down, pick up speed, fall. Yep. And then I was like, you know what? I'm getting to the bottom. I don't want nobody to see me doing this. It so was a couple, <laughs> couple, <laughs> couple things down there. I ain't want to embarrass. So I said, screw it. If I can stay up, I'll get to the bottom and then fall. Yeah. Like act like it was an accident. So I'm going down, picking up speed. Everything's great, dude. And I'm thinking this could be a thing for me. <laughs> Uh, I get towards the bottom and I didn't even try to fall yet mm-hmm. but my board clips the front of my board clips and I don't know how I fell. I just know I landed on one cheek one butt cheek right uh-huh. and boom and I'm just spinning out of control and my board catches the netting and now the netting is just ripping <laughs> as I'm going and I finally stopped and I'm starfished out right yeah, there and yeah, I'm yeah. hurting and oh, I remember this man. nice couple came off because I just laid there dude. Yeah. I was so I was in so much pain but I figured the ice would help that I was laying on and this couple she the lady said are you okay and I was like I think my butt's bleeding <laughs> pause but I said I think I'm bleeding and then she was like oh do you want help I said no and I just laid there no. and then finally I got up and I went to the bathroom and I was good to go and I just sat I went to yeah. sit by the car for the next hour yeah. I snowboarded for years. Yeah, yeah. So that was Spokane for me. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give what Spokane's good at for a chance." Mm-hmm. And then I almost split myself in half. Snowboard. <laughs> so I was like, "Screw Spokane, man! I don't want to be here no more." Yeah. Yep.
1: But oh yeah. man. So you're in the Air Force. Yeah. You get to Spokane. Not not the vibe for yeah. what you're currently used to. Um, what uh? What made you stay? The military obviously was a big factor. The <laughs> main factor, uh, yeah. I had, so, had a to do.
0: so how
1: was it? Three years or how I was long here for were you, four? Four. I was here
0: for four. So okay. basically, my first two years was I I got here late two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. I deployed April two thousand eight. I got back September two thousand eight. I deployed Christmas Day two thousand eight. Where were you deployed to? Different places. I got to in the Middle East though. In I Middle got East, back yeah. from. Um, I got back in May of 2009. I deployed in August 2009. So my first two years in Spokane, I was here by the months, mm-hmm. right? And then, so of course, I'm not building a whole bunch of friends outside the military. Um, I had a. I met my daughter's mom. So, 2009, you know, she got pregnant, and mm-hmm. so then in 2011. They, I end up getting orders. I actually had got orders to Korea prior to this, but I got those orders at the time my daughter's mom was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I, you can cancel your orders once, but if you cancel them, the next place they give you, you have to take them. And they may not even do this still because I'm not active on I'm in reserves now. Yeah. So I got orders, and then they were sending me to Ohio first, and I thought I didn't like Spokane. I got to Ohio, and I was like, where is what country is this man? It was, I mean, you gotta understand. I was in Fairborn, so I wasn't in any any like really cool place. Of Ohio, like yeah. Cleveland's a lot better. Right. Cincinnati is more gonna remind me of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I was in Fairborn. Mm-hmm. We had Wright State University. I want to say right State or I want to say Wright State or whatever school. I, you know, and then you had certain areas you can hang out. So I was there for like six months. And I finagled my way to get back to Washington because my daughter was here. And this is my first time being away from her. Yeah. So they end up sending me to Tacoma. So I was mm-hmm. out of Joint Base Lewis McCord on the west side, which was even better. Because I'm like, I tried to get to Fairchild mm-hmm. to go back to good old Spokane. Mm-hmm. Right? And they sent me to the west side?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I said, oh, it's live. We live now. So at the end of 2011, I end up going to Tacoma. And this is basically where everything. my last deployment is when I said I was going to stop playing basketball and start working on fitness. I was like 130 pounds, 38 pounds. I thought I was in great shape until I deployed. And the first time, and I saw what in shape looked like. Cause you know, all you do is work out and you go over there, these different army cats and all that. And then buff dudes and stuff. So um, am over there eating gunpowder and whatever. Not really. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, so I was like, all right, you know, I want to get into, cause I always wanted to be in, in around the sports world. Like, basketball and stuff but I didn't want to I knew I wasn't going to play at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. so I was like I'm going go to nutrition or something like that but over there I just used to buy all the men's health magazines so every day not every day but like every month while I'm deployed I'd go to the magazine spot we have over there and I'd look for the latest workout uh, magazine and the latest issue of um, Black Man Magazine I don't know if you remember Black Man Magazine mm-hmm I want to say it was all women though. <laughs> it was called. I want to. I, you don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was called Black Men Magazine. But it was yeah. like the most beautiful Black and yeah. Hispanic models in um, the world. That was motivation yeah. for me to get in shape. I right. see these women. I'm like, they're not gonna date some scrawny dude like me. Yeah. So I would start building programs um, out of these things and putting them together and just trying to learn about stuff. And um, that's how I start getting into the fitness world. But it was yeah. it was bro lifts.
2: Yeah. Know, legs.
0: Yeah. You mean. Upper legs. That's all we worked. Dry sales, bro list. I started building programs. So by the time I got to Tacoma, I had I had picked up CrossFit in two thousand nine, and CrossFit like changed. Like I was like, this is I've never been in this much pain, and I never felt like my chest was gonna rip out of my. I mean, my heart was gonna rip out of my chest. And CrossFit, so I, I drank the juice, man. I mean, I was bathing in it. I mm-hmm. loved CrossFit. I still think CrossFit is awesome to this day. I just think there's just the influx of gyms. Mm-hmm. Dilutes the level of training, but um, I got into CrossFit and I started doing CrossFit bad, and I had a few injuries from the Middle East. And when I was over there, my whole focus was I had this lifestyle I wanted to live. I had to get this condo in the city. I had to get this BMW, mm-hmm. and I had to just stay fresh, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm on the West Side now. Now it's diverse, the culture. Mm-hmm. It's different women. It's like it's just so much to do. Mm-hmm. So that was my focus when I got there. I wanted to get this place, get this car. And, and whatever. And then when I started doing CrossFit, I, the injuries that I had in my knee, in my wrist, in my shoulder started bothering me. And it wasn't because of CrossFit. It was because CrossFit was having me do lifts that I didn't do before. And it exposed these injuries. So as I started doing that, I started being like, hey, like asking different different because I was going, I was bouncing. I loved it. So I was, I was a part of different gyms. I bounced this gym, bounced that gym. And I would ask coaches, like, hey, what do I do to fix this? They were like, oh, I'll just do this stretch. And I'm like, oh, all right, you know, you just listen, because they know. But then um one day I injured my knee. It was already bad, but it tweaked it and I couldn't walk on it. And then they did an MRI on it, and I had a cyst under my kneecap. And they had I had already got surgery on a, a ganglion cyst in my wrist and it came back. So they didn't want to do, they didn't want to go in my knee and get this, this cyst out. They told me it's better that i try to work around it because it'll only irritate me if it gets irritated it only irritate me if it gets irritated and it'll infuse and then it'll protrude outside of my kneecap my tendons will catch on it and that was causing me to like it was crazy mm. so i was like all right cool so they sent me to the doctor and the doctor said um I, m- mind you i got this mri four and a half years after i got the injury i got the injury in 2008 in the middle east they didn't, the military pushed, they didn't give me an MRI four and a half years later after I just kept complaining, which is insane. But, so they told me to stop squatting and CrossFit, there's squats every day, basically. Yeah. And I was like, that's not, that's not going to happen. So then they just like, you can't, so I'm depressed because CrossFit's my thing. I'm doing CrossFit every day. So I started looking at the doctor and I looked up like what his like schooling was and what he does and like what he's in charge of. And this dude's just making sure my joints and stuff are good like that's he just doesn't want broken bones so i'm like, all right well you know you don't specialize in squatting yeah because he's like you don't have to squat to get big legs and i looked at him like what else am i supposed to do like surgery like yeah. so so I, I knew physical therapist where i was going was going to put me in place so i, I was like, i'll ask the physical therapist so i go to the physical therapist and she's you know i'm doing physical therapy and she says no you can squat just never go to 90 and i'm like what the, like so now I'm in CrossFit where everything is about hip crease below the knee crease. And you don't want me to go to 90 degrees. So I was like, man, I need to find somebody who specializes in, cause she's in rehab. So now I'm like, who the heck do I go to to figure out who's going to tell me about working out? And it wasn't that big at the time. Like, like exercise science wasn't even a degree at the time. And then you had kinesiology, which is the study of, the human movement, but it's not into like an exercise. Mm-hmm. It's not into a sports, you know, version yeah. of it. That's why they have kinesiology and exercise science now. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was studying nutrition for three years. I don't know why, because I'm glad I got out of it. Cause yeah, no. And mm-hmm. I ended up coming across. So I started being a, a unit fitness program manager for my, my unit, my squadron. Mm-hmm. And that put me in a place where I was working with this exercise physiologist, this doctorate of nutrition and then it was me and then we would be like we we people would come and they get an injury they go see them put them through workouts and I was like a trainer and then we start working with some special some of the and over there we have special ops guys over there and they would come in and we'd be able to work with them and then we'd go out to their you know there's special special ops over at of course so they they have like an unlimited budget on their fitness stuff so we go to the gym and you'd be like what the, rock yeah. climbing walls and all that. Yeah. So I started getting into it. I, saw, I I was looking for something about squats. So I started looking for research, squat, just and squat. Came across this research. I want to say it was out, 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 uh, a professor out of Oklahoma State, and they was talking about how to overcome knee pain and this, that, and the other with squatting. At the time, I couldn't squat nothing because my, my knee was so bad. And I just started following this research. Like I didn't even really understand the research a lot. So I would ask the exercise physiologist and the doctor, like, what does this word mean? And, and they would tell me. So I started building a program based off of that research for myself. And that's when I was like, why don't any of these CrossFit gyms? Cause that's all I like, correct. None of this stuff. Like, yeah. why, you know, but then you got to think a lot of the CrossFit owners and trainers, some of them may have degrees, but like, exercise science degrees and stuff. That wasn't, like I said, it wasn't big. So their degrees didn't even relate to CrossFit. They got the certifications and stuff. So, um, I just started building my programs off this and I went from not squatting at all to maxing way more than I ever did. So when I started building these programs, I knew I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I am i can not find a gym. I'm gonna open a gym. Hmm. I'm going open a gym. It was 2012. I'm like, i gonna open a gym. And then the crazy thing about that is at that same time, two albums that came out right around the same time, um, Mac Miller's album, the, um, I don't know. I can't think of the name of the red, the red album cover about TV, um, internet. I, I can't mm. think of it. But mm. Mac Miller's album came out and Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I was a, I was a Nipsey fan. Like mm-hmm. he's from LA, so I was like, a, yeah. like oh something new, Nipsey Dom. I was more yeah. of a Dom Kennedy fan at I'll the time. Be, yeah,
1: Dom so
0: you know, so I was yeah. you know, and of course like Jay Z, I was a big Joe Budden fan when he was like really rapping and all that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So the Crenshaw album came out, and I had heard about him charging a hundred dollars. So I was like, this album came me. It's free. Like it was free on that piff. Yeah. So I I got the album, and then like that was the time that I saw Nipsey at. Like he had, like his 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 rapping like took a big turn. Like it was still Nip, but it was like it was just like a educate like a lesson plan. Like he was it was kinda how I look at Jay Z, how Jay zs telling you in his his lyrics everything that he did or what to do, what moves to make. He was telling you how he was rocking Evizu back when we didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. And how he had Bathing Apes before Cassidy made him popular. Mm -hmm. Like like Jay Z always gave you like like y'all y'all are behind. Like this is Mm -hmm. what I'm you know. And so when Nip was talking about the brand and stuff and then I started seeing interviews with him that's how I was like, all right. When mm, this dude is dedicating everything to his brand, nuts. does matter more than the brand. So that's when I was like, okay. That's when I fully started going in. I remember I told my boy, oh, who's still my boy now. At the time, he was like a, um, he was higher ranking than me. He was in my chain of command, but he's still one of my close friends to this day. But I was telling him, like, look, I'm, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to make rank no more. I even told a couple guys in my shop, I don't want to make rank because the rank I had could keep me in for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to get pushed out. So I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on my school. I'm not going to do this because nutrition thing. I'm going to get this extra. I'm going I'm to go into at the time I was like, I'm going to go into kinesiology. Mm-hmm. But I started seeing exercise science degrees pop up. Mm-hmm. So I went to school for, I had to go to junior college first. So I went to Pierce and got my health and wellness AA. But th- those programs I started building were different than the other programs that we were doing because it was all based off of how you move. So I was putting together squats and deadlifts and all this, but how we moved had to be different. Like, we couldn't do them the way we were seeing them doing. So I started building these programs, and I would work out with with my my homies in the morning at 5 a.m., bro lifts, squats. Then I'd go do CrossFit. At 5 a.m., I'd do bro lifts. 5 p.m., I did CrossFit at the Mm -hmm. base CrossFit gym with the -hmm. the base crew or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just took the way they were squatting, and I did it different like this. I'm focusing on this part moving, and I just kept doing that because I was like, if the knee is like that, that's only one. of That's only one joint. Yeah. So what about the ankle? What about the head? What about so? So I start digging into it. So now I'm I, I get my AA my AS from there, and I'm like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out and go to Arizona State, and I'm gonna go because they had an exercise science. I mean, no, I knew I was gonna get a master's degree.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and I knew if I was going to be this professional that I wanted to be in an exercise science world I needed to communicate with nutritionists and understand what they're talking about I need to communicate with physical therapists with psychologists, I need to communicate with them I don't need to know their job but when they talk to me I need to understand where they're coming from so I purposely got my bachelor's in health science because it was broad, it was it was breaking down all yeah. those entities of health
2: Yeah.
0: so physical, Makes emotional, sense. spiritual, everything because mm-hmm. with a health science degree you can do stuff but in my world I want it I wanted to master and exercise. So I knew I was going to get a health science degree from Arizona state. And then I didn't know where I was going to go for my master at the time. But at the time I became a flyer. So I couldn't do the Arizona state in person. I couldn't, that, that, that couldn't be an option no more. So I ended up transferring to their online school and I just focused my zone. Dan, I stopped worrying about studying to make rank. I did good at my job. People would tell me, "Oh, you're a fast burner." You know, keep nope. Because I realized I'm from LA, so I'm doing numbers. I'm listening to Nipsey talk numbers and all that. So I'm realizing, in order, if I make the next rank, I'm gonna work possibly another two hours a day. So I said, "All right, what's the difference between this rank and this rank?" I was like, "Oh, thirty-six hundred dollars a year." I said, "All right, if I'm working extra two dollars, two hours a day, ten days a week, I mean, ten hours a week times four, that's extra forty hours a month. Multiply that by twelve, that's this many extra hours. Divide that into that thirty-six I said, that ain't worth two hours.
2: Yeah.
0: That math no. didn't do right. Like, no way. But they pushed that. It's mm-hmm. like kind of like an institution. They institutionalize right. you. Like, you got to I mean, make for the next sure. rank. Yeah. But I was at a condo downtown Tacoma, mm-hmm. at a BMW. Mm-hmm. I was living lovely over mm-hmm. there. I was hanging out in Bellevue all the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't need the rank. I was good with my money. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to focus on school. So I yeah. focused all my attention on school. And then my goal was to retire and then open a gym. But I was like, I was getting, I, I turned 30. And I was like, man, by the time I this, I'm going to be 31. By the time I'm done, I'm going to be 41. I was like, my goal is to train kids. A 41-year-old talking to kids is, I mean, you could be that guy. Yeah. Was, What's up, kids? You know, like that guy. <laughs> like, You know what I'm You can be that guy, but I'm not going to be that guy. No. So I I told my no. boy, oh, I said, yo, I'm getting out, man. Yeah. He was like, what? I said, bro, I got to do this gym. I was putting yeah. a blueprint together, how I wanted the gym, how big I wanted it, what I wanted it, all yeah. that stuff. And he was like, are You sure? Mind you, me and O and my boy, um, my boy Rob, me O, Rob, and my boy Mac. We were working out every day for like two years together, five AM. So they know the programs worked. They mm-hmm. Know the programs was dope.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: it was like, my boy, I was like, Yo, if you're gonna do it, I think you're gonna be you're gonna be successful. Yeah. And then one of my supervisors, um, Havens, he was like, I think I think yeah, do if you do it, you know, I think you're gonna be good.
2: Yeah. And
0: then every, other people was like, Yo, you making a mistake. Yeah. The Air Force is basically telling me, look, this is how much money you got to make to get what we're giving you.
2: Yeah,
0: Like with the benefits and all that. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm, at this time, I'm deep into Nip. Nip got yeah. more albums out. I'm yeah. like, I'm from L.A., man. Like oh, yeah. I came from nothing. So yeah. I, I, that's that's how I transitioned from the Air Force. But I I, I never want to get rid of the Air Force because I promised my pops I'd retire.
2: Because
0: mm. there was times in there that I wanted to quit and mm. I could have talked to him and told him I know my dad wanted me to, to retire from there. My mom wants me to she she's the one who wanted me to join the military. Mm. So that's why when I did it I was like my dad wanted me to play play basketball but my mom wanted me to um she was like just join the military, you know, be a military man. And and um mm. so that's how I transitioned from the air force to doing what I'm doing. I was already working working watching the high the most elite military guys train, you know, with the special ops training seeing them train and stuff and then um, having this understanding of I had this injury and I went from having this injury and, and not getting surgery or anything but taking an injury that was minor yeah. and basically what I mean by minor was my knee was still intact everything was good so yeah. now I just got to understand why is it pain why is it caused what's causing that cyst to flare and just don't do that like go around Yeah. It. so once I did that I felt like I was a scientist at that point like whoa mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm a doctor like basically yeah. <laughs> like, right so it's always been my goal to be a doctor so I was yeah. like I'm a, even when um one of the guys told me if you get out of the um you better make rank and I was mm-hmm. like nah I can retire as a tech sergeant and he was like yeah you you should be a chief and he's like, he's like giving me a hard time and I was like look man you spend all your time dedicated to doing all this extra stuff so that you can make rank and then when I retire tech sergeant dr. Northcutt and you retire chief I'll give you a job yeah like I'll give you a job. Because yeah. you, you dedicate all your time to the military. I'm working on my civilian side. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a job because you're gonna be looking for one. And that's actually one of the things that helped pushes me to be a tech sergeant because I said yeah. I was gonna I mean a doctor because I said yeah. I was gonna do it. Yeah. And um but anyways, that's how I transitioned So I molded my gym after I knew I wanted to catch it early. So I was like, if I can convince parents to let their little kids train with me, we can work on the movements. We can work on just the fundamentals. I call it groundwork. Every pe- if you look at my my Bricks Instagram page. I use the same three hashtags for everything. I'm not doing it to bring in people. I'm bringing it because I want people, when they associate, when they see those words, those slogans, it associates with my gym. It's the Brick CL for my name. Mm-hmm. It's just show up and mm-hmm. brick by brick. But I always put under every kid's thing, groundwork. Groundwork. Because mm-hmm. that's all it is from the ground up. We're starting from the ground up. And that's how I got the name The Bricks, by the way, which I don't know if you was going to go into is my yeah, dad used it. To, you, my, sure. my dad told me when I was in high school, I need to work out. Right. Mm-hmm. Put this little rinky-dink, old school, this- Thin, you know those old school. You see him in the LA music videos and stuff in the front yard, like oh, this yeah, little yeah. thin pad, the little thin bar. He yeah. got the steel plates. He put that in my backyard because he had it in the garage, rusted up. Yeah. And he would say, "Go out there and, and build yourself up." It's the bricks. And brick and and the thing is he would tell me like in life it's just take your time man it's just one brick at a time you mm-hmm. just one brick at a time one brick at a time next thing you know you look bad, you got a wall, mm-hmm. so it's always brick by brick, and that's how training especially we do with athletes you have to get a good foundation man, because if you take a kid and you throw him in there to do these explosive movements you're putting he has muscles and tendons that are compensating to make sure he do this right, but these muscles and tendons They're not supposed to be moving in that motor group. They're not, not, not motor. They're not supposed to be moving in that pattern. So now you do that over time, over time, eventually it's going to, something's going to happen. So the goal is to move that muscle, those, those tendons and everything in a natural pattern and strengthen them. Once you learn to move, once they learn to move basic human movements, there's seven motor groups, then you add resistance. And then you just continue to build. You don't do nothing different. If I'm building a wall and this wall stood 50 years and I look on Instagram, they're doing a wall different. I'm like, this wall worked 50 years, but that wall looks cool. Mm. I build that wall that wall falls down. It's like, you knew this worked. It's hard work. Mm. I get it. Mm. And then there's technology and there's different pieces of equipment that helps you build that wall faster and more efficient. Mm-hmm. So you just always keep that, that wall in mind and then you just get stuff that helps you build that wall okay, now this made it easier for me. And that's how the system goes there. My gym does, I don't do nothing elaborate. I don't go mm. get the newest thing. Cause the other gym got it. I look yeah. at cool stuff and I'm like, that's dope. I don't need it. Yeah. And that's how, yeah, but that's how I um, transitioned from the military to the, the,
1: to, so yeah, so to recap, you had an injury from deployment, yeah, I got injured you started least. doing your own research because yeah. really the doctors weren't giving you any real information. Well, on they didn't to,
0: specialize in yeah, what they, I was So you're like, to do. I'm
1: going to figure this out myself, which led you to creating your own programs, yeah. you lead in your other fellas that you're in the military with and workouts. Man. And then you're like, right, man, I could just do this whole well, time
0: it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, everybody wants to, if you see something cool, see somebody making money,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're like, oh, that looks fun. I'm going to make money doing that. Yeah. Right? And then, so it's, it, it wasn't like I saw gyms and I was like, I want to own a gym. I knew I always want to be involved in one, yeah. but when I saw a void, that's mm. when I said, I can do that mm. because I saw all these gyms doing, I mean, if one person did a squat this way, no, it's fine because he does it. He, he's yeah. not hurt yeah I'm like oh genetics is it's a wild thing, man, mm. so I knew like, okay, if I can take this and create this type of environment in there, it'll be different and and I'll be able to there's a certain crowd for me it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but there is a certain crowd that that can feel that that can not feel that void, but that can that can benefit from what I'm filling that void with mm. so that's why I started doing like okay i I'm, I'm gonna go open a gym i'm gonna train athletes, and at the time I was like, I'm gonna do high school and college. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to do, like, pros because I was like, I, I don't want to, you know, I, you, pros typically go where other pros go. Yeah. So, I was like, well, if I can start with some high school kids, send them to college. Yeah. And then if they play sports, cool. But if they and then they come back and then they'll train in the summer, then they'll be pro one day, then they'll, yeah. I'll do that. But yeah. then when I start doing that, and it took years of me being open for me to even get a high school kid mm-hmm. or any kid mm-hmm. because I didn't have a name in Spokane. You know, Spokane's very so- –
1: yeah, but um,
0: oh, I, I jumped a big portion. Yeah, to get there. Uh, so
1: you were in Tacoma, in Tacoma, yeah, and you were developing this idea this to quit the military yep. and start your own gym. hundred yeah, uh, percent. You were doing it because you've seen, um, a void to be filled, which was to like give basically people specialty training.
0: No, no, it was or, basically taking a a research approach. I, I, I used to say science approach, but yeah. science is thrown around now like lit. Like yeah. trainers use science True. based for everything. Yeah, now.
1: they use it to like really cope.
0: It's it's to to it's to, like, to, to convince somebody that what that I'm going smart. to give you, yeah. not necessarily that they're smart, well, but that what yeah, I'm gonna give I feel like, you is science, man. Yeah, hey, exactly. Science. science. Yeah, hey, 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 do it like that. You know why? Yeah. Science. No. But that's Mm -hmm. so I don't I don't like saying science based. I say research based because I have a file on my phone with hundreds of articles, majority Mm -hmm. on the ankle, the knee, um, the hip. And the the crazy thing is I'm starting to see research being used more now. Like hey, we use once you get into research, you have to be able to break down research to understand what research is credible. Where did the authors go to school. Mm-hmm. What was their criteria in their school? They got a doctorate without a dissertation. Yeah. Like they didn't take physics and yeah. any, they didn't take, they didn't take any of these, these classes and courses that allow you to take that research and, uh, and understand yeah, how that research breaks. Now that doesn't mean they're not getting this research and then asking somebody, Yeah, but let's, you know, that's going to be far and few. So mm. That's why, if you notice, my my doctorate is exercise science and research. I've been doing it. I'm going on my second semester in it. I've yet to do an exercise science course. All my courses so far is is um, discovering research and breaking down which research is reliable and which is not. Mm-hmm. So they'll give me a topic on ethics in research. I'll have to write about it, and all ten of my research, the, my um, articles that I use has to be my. They, they all have to be credible so when I turn it in she'll go check the research and she's like this does not work Th- nope and then so you'll lose points for, for that mm-hmm. so this is basically a way for me to make sure the research is credible when I tell somebody this so I might say hey the research says do this and the research was just submitted by some guy because any. and another thing is there's if you're getting your research from like PubMed or like um, Re- ResearchGate anybody can submit to those it's the scholarly libraries that you want access to because mm-hmm. now you're getting access to articles that would cost me 60 bucks a piece or thousands of dollars of for subscriptions. But when you're in school, the libraries allow you. So every time I go to school, like I'm in school now, whenever I think of an injury or one of my kids gets an injury or somebody, I hear of somebody, I'm, I'm immediately going and digging up every single research article I can and saving it take them to my files. Because once I'm done with school, I can't get access to that more unless I'm making enough money to be able to afford that. Mm-hmm. But I have a really good, there's a really good guy that I look up to out of Miami. His name is Donnie Ramon. And he's um, LeBron James' trainer, Chris Paul's trainer. But He's a biomechanist, but he used to be a Navy SEAL. And whenever I need an article, I'll hit him up and he'll send it to me. Because he, he has a subscription. Nice. Yeah. So that so that's what I, I want to do. Not just science, but I want to do this research base that I could help try to prevent injuries, lower the risk of getting injuries and then still build resistance. Cause that's my goal.
1: So, but I guess what I'm trying to understand is like this initial process of your gym, having this research based programs, were they going to be custom per client? Well, no, or so, were you thinking like,
0: so I, I, my go, my original plan was I'm gonna have like these groups of kids, right? Because okay. you gotta yeah. think when I first put my plan together, I wasn't, I wasn't as far in my educational path as I am now. So right. my original goal was I'm gonna have these groups of kids, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put them through these different trainings, mm-hmm. and then all the trainings gonna have like when I tell them hey do this movement, do that movement, it's gonna be based off of how to move. But what I wasn't thinking about is what about kids with compensations? What about kids that? Can't move that way. And what about kids that their back doesn't bend? They have no mobility. What about this kid who tore his ACL and didn't go to proper rehab? What about yeah, this? So exactly. I, I didn't pick all that stuff up until after, after. I started doing it. Mm-hmm. But originally it was just like I'm gonna train a bunch of kids and, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that all this stuff I have them do is gonna have research. That's, mm-hmm. That was it. Right? It was simple. Just make sure you got a research article. Better program. Yeah. Put my my my, my cite my sources. Hey, these are my references. These, if you want to look it up, and cool. But then. Um, when I got here, so I decided I was gonna get out and do it. I knew I was gonna do it in Spokane because my daughter was here. Okay, and yeah. I spent four years seeing her once a month, if that, because sometimes I'd be on the road, mm-hmm. and I felt like if I got out. And made the decision to not move near my daughter. Now that makes me a bad person. Mm-hmm. The military moved me. That's on them. I can't say nothing. But yeah. if I choose to, like, hey man, like, you, yeah. you you got a responsibility. Yeah. At the time, I was just like I said, I was I was seeing my daughter once a month, and then I was just financially there. Yeah. But a lot of, a lot of me, she was missing out on. So, and I wanted her to have that. So I knew I was going back to Spokane. I didn't have any true expectation of what it was going to be like. So I thought it was still like Uno nights and stuff. So I was like, whatever. I'm gonna go back. And so uh, I saved up $10,000 and I got a apartment downtown, the Madison, which mm-hmm. was popping. It was cool. Yeah. And I was walking and everything, oh, loved
1: it. And I was
0: there and I got out here before I came, I hit up all these gym owners that I know. I'm not going to name them because none of them responded to me. And the ones that did were very sure. Hey man, moving to town. I know you have a gym. I know it's competitive field. I'm not trying to do any of that. This is, I'm, I'm going down this path. I'm dealing with athletes. I'm I'm gonna do small groups of you know adults and stuff, but don't worry about me trying to do this, that, and the other. Like, you got any advice on just the business side of things? I have no, I have no experience with business, nobody in my family does. Read no response. Cause I'm hitting them up on on Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. So I see they're ready. One person responded and was like, just work hard. <laughs> Like, all right, thanks, Tony the Tiger. Like yeah. I get it. you Like I was like, yeah. all right, cool. Yeah. So I said, but the, the dope thing is my homie had opened a gym out here, GTX. Yeah. And and that's my boy CJ. He opened yeah, a gym. But he opened his gym the same way I was open my, He went in blind. Yeah. So everything he learned about business was awful mistakes and it's just giving it but he had a good group of people, yeah, clients that that made sure when he made it through those bumps. For right. Sure. So I came out here in 2015 actually. And I got an apartment downtown. And um this is back before downtown was too expensive to live in. And I hit CJ because I had ten thousand dollars. That's what I was gonna get rent, yeah. equipment and everything. I don't know what I was thinking. But I was like quickly realized like dang, this is nowhere near enough. Yeah. So CJ, I went I went to his gym and was chopping. He was like, hey man, you can like you can train out of here if you want. Just pay me a little monthly. He had this little upstairs attic. And I was like, how much did you charge me to rent that? And he was like, $300 a month. I was like, bet. Nice. bet. So I flipped it, spent my $10,000 on equipment. And I was training for about two months. And the Air Force said, hey, man, remember what you were saying you're going to get out? You're not. Snatch me back a year and a half.
1: Mm. Yeah, so. They didn't let you out.
0: No. Well, the thing is, I was transitioning to the reserves. Uh-huh. And then I was the job, I was doing required training. Yeah, and then they put me on these. They they put me through the training and sent me on missions. So for the next sixteen months, I'm just traveling the world doing missions. But Mm. the thing is, I got enough time to get in CJ's gym to see the thing that he was doing wrong that I felt he was doing wrong. Like not Mm. like doing wrong, but like things that I would do different. I'll say that. And then the things that I liked. So now the whole time I'm on the road, I'm I. I wish i still had them because i like i had all these hotel notepads of different layouts different stuff and i had a stack of them because i was like i'm gonna do turf here i'm gonna do this here this is gonna be my logo this gonna, I, it was always gonna be the bricks like i had yeah. the bricks written I, I taped off with stencils and painted over the bricks in, yeah. in his gym where, where i was training at but i didn't have the logo yet i have none of that but i just knew i wanted to train these kids but i knew i wasn't gonna get them right away because the parents so i knew i had to find a way to you know, to do that. So this whole time, that's what I did. But this time, I'm putting money away because I was sitting at a bar in Spokane one time, like coming to visit, and it was just me. I was like, Fred, we're the only ones in there. Like, hey, fam, we will go down, right? So it's just us two. And I was talking to the owner, and I was like, how are you staying open? Nobody in here. He's like, well, yeah." I learned that whenever you open a business, you want to, your first year's a loss. So you set yourself up for an initial L, and you'll be fine. So I was like, I I'll always remember that. So I was like, "All right, cool. I'm, save, I'm saving my money. I'm going yeah. all over. I'm traveling. I was, but the cool thing, i was still traveling. I mm-hmm. get back from a mission. I travel to Italy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: go hiking. I do. I was doing all that. So I, got, I finally got here and I'm, I'm put together space and I put cash up. I pay my. I pay the the lease for a year or six months. But the, the goal was a year.
2: Yeah.
0: And then I end up getting paid for a year. And then I paid all my for the my initial equipment, the stuff that I knew I needed that I wrote down cash. Yeah. So everything was cash. I paid the, my lease off. I paid my rent in my apartment for six months. And then now I knew every dollar I made was going in my pocket. But I was broke as a joke. Cause I had like Fred, DJ Freaky Fred. It was my only client that walked in yeah. day one. So I put together this gym and then um, it was a hassle. You know, I got a few people in, a couple of homies in and I just treated them. I always had this thing where it was like, all I focus on is who focuses on me. So I knew if I put everything into them, they're gonna tell a friend. People are gonna see them doing stuff. Eventually, it's gonna build, you know, small, s- slow. Yeah. But typically, when you build that way, it's like it's um it's like a natural type yeah. of thing. Grassroot, it's genuine, yeah. and those people tend to stick around oh, for because sure. that that helped me during the shutdowns. Because mm-hmm. when I was shut down, I couldn't train. Some people who, who were still working would still pay me yeah. based off of the relationship. Yeah. So I just built it from there, and then I knew what I needed over time that I wanted, and I wasn't gonna get it till I had the cash. And so I didn't take out no loans or no nothing. So my overhead there was bills mm-hmm. to this day. My overhead there, this is five years ago. So you got to think real estate went up, rent went up. Mm-hmm. My, my, I got a real cool owner over there. He went up a little bit, you know, Yeah. but he knows that check, he knows that checks coming every, every first. Yeah. He knows when he goes to his building, it's clean, taking care of him to worry about like, check. he he's renting his space out. That's, that's his income coming in. Mm-hmm. So my, to this day right now, my overhead, Right now, with everything in my gym, I got over a hundred and some thousand dollars worth equipment has all been cash there's no there's no overhead on anything every month, all I do is check my bills, the light bill is no joke, but every yeah. month, I check my bills, pay my bills, and then focus on what i'm a you know what whatever is next yeah et cetera yeah,
1: smart man hundred um, percent so I want to dig more back into the how you came up with the name that was based upon basically your dad my pops yeah okay yeah that's really cool so man.
0: It, you know you always i mean like people who don't have like this cool story about something they want to make one up and stuff like it's, it's yeah. you don't have to have a cool story like it can be yeah. but that that's basically too, when, when i it does when i was figuring <laughs> yeah. it out that's what i went with yeah that's what i went because my dad he had three kids of course but like my dad was like the Dopest dude in the world to me. Yeah, I thought so. Like I would just sit on the porch and talk to him when he wasn't smoking a cigarette. And, he, mm-hmm. and it's not the crazy thing is like before he passed, I would go to L.A. and visit him. That's the only. That's the main reason why I would go to L.A. Yeah, is to visit him and we talk about the same thing every time. Man, his advice never changed either. So if I go out, go to him with a problem about me making a move in the, in the military. He's a prior military guy as well, so he always talked about the military, Lakers, the Dodgers, the Raiders, and then where where the heck have I been?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: because i used to go to la for a month Mm -hmm. at a time Mm -hmm. and one day he was like why do you keep coming here man like go like go ain't nothing go see the world and then when he did said that i stopped coming Mm -hmm. i just come for like a weekend or a few days yeah and then that's when i started like getting back to traveling the world so when i go see him we talk about the same thing every time man and his advice never changed and he just basically be like own up to what you did whatever decision was made was made and now what do you do Mm -hmm. and i remember when i I was wasn't gonna play basketball when I was a kid because they were trying to make me try out for the freshman team, and I was like, "Hey, no, nah, I'm have varsity handles, yeah. right?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, So yeah, yeah. they was like, "Nah, you playing for the, you gonna try out for the freshman and sophomores?" So I was like, hey, playing." I told my dad, "I ain't yeah. playing." Yeah. And the next, he was like, "Okay, so now what you gonna do?" Man, I don't know. We gotta transfer. He's like, yeah, "That ain't happening." So what yeah. you gonna do? He's like, "I tell you, you have options. You can pick up another sport, or you can go talk to that coach, on up to what you did, and see what happened. So I went next day, talked to him, went on the court, made you try out for the freshman sophomore team, made me play with freshmen. I killed the freshmen, he put me up with sophomores. I was like, oh, I see how this works. I killed the sophomores, put me up the JV. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So I, yeah. took, I took how he did and I used that. So I'll tell him a problem. And he was like, yo, you made the decision, right? And I remember one time I went there, the last conversation I had with him, because um, he would all like I said, he called it the bricks, brick by brick. And it's just like, just whatever it is, it might seem like it's a huge task. It might seem like it's a big project, but just, yeah. just one brick at a time. One brick at you're, time. you're fine. Like Take a breath. One brick at a time. One bring your time and you'll get there. And that's that that's that's everything, right? You're trying to yeah. build something.
2: Oh, for sure. So
0: the last time I talked to him, I remember I wasn't traveling. Because at this point, I'm starting to get some traction in the gym, 2019. I'm starting to get some traction in the gym. And you know, I'm starting to get some clients in there and I'm going. So I'm like, I can't try, I ain't taking no breaks. I ain't taking no breaks. I work I used to work yeah, I worked I seven days a week for the first four you, years. Man. Yeah. I worked seven days a week for the first yeah. four four years, right? Yeah, sure. And then um so um, I, w- I went to LA. He's like, where have you been? And I was like, man, I ain't been nowhere, man. I work too much. Man, I'm doing this gym. Yeah, he's like, hey, you, he's like, you doing the gym you want to do? I was like, yeah. He's like, the gym that you said you put together and you drew the blue I was like, yeah. He's like, the one you asked for. I said, yeah. He said, the chef, stop complaining.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you asked for, it stop complaining. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. But I was like, that's facts, right? Yeah. So, um, a lot of this stuff I do, a lot of stuff I talk comes from conversations with my dad. The way I treat people and how I'm the empathy and all that comes from my mom, so my mom and my grandma. So it's like a decent blend, and I'm trying to make sure my daughter gets a little dose of that. But that's mm-hmm. how that name came for it, and I'm glad I named it that because now you know my dad's gone and. I, like, I, there was a, some guilt behind that with me, like not going to see him when I, I could have, mm-hmm. um, it's like, as long as I keep this gym going, I'll keep, you know, what he yeah. gave me going. That's that caused me. To, I mean, after my dad died, that's when I really went crazy. Cause I was taking a one hour break in a day, 6 AM to 7 PM with a one hour break. I was training, but I, I knew I needed equipment. Mm-hmm. I knew I needed, wanted to buy a house. So I had to get my credit right. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted a nice car. So I was just working. Six days a week, I was training, seven day, completely cleaning the place. I worked seven days a week, and then I had missions in between for the Air Force. So I was just, you know, just going by that. But all, all I thought about was like, oh, just, just, just one brick at a time. It's cool. And then I just chopped off my credit. Okay, cool. Credit was good. All right, cool. Let me let me get a house and a, and a coop. That's what I wanted. Mm. And I got the house. I was like, all right, cool. I was going to leave on that. Back and cut back a couple hours. All right, cool. Because I'm a person that thinks you only need enough money to do everything you want to do. You don't need anything more than that. You need enough money to do everything you want to do mm-hmm. and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Of course you have responsibilities, but that mm-hmm. money, you have that money for your responsibilities. You need enough money to do just the stuff you want to do. Like I don't need a billion. Mm-hmm. I'll take it, but I don't need yeah. a billion. Yeah, I But I need enough saying, to do bro. everything I want to do. Yeah. And then, you know, of course have a safety net or something, right? So as as I was checking off things on this goal list that I had, I kept cu- cu- um, carrying over every year. It made me, oh, I can work a little less. All right, cool. And then when I got the house and the car and I flipped the house not flipped the house, but I renovated the house yeah. and got the car. And then I was like, okay, I need to get back to my education. Mm-hmm. The doctor agreed to take some time. I need to cut away from the gym. I got my everything in order. My finances in order. I'm making a decent amount. I know what my bills are. I've been paying them. Cool. So I condensed my schedule, took less income, uh, rented the space out to one guy. I'm looking to rent it out to one more person. And now they train at the gym doing their thing so some of the money that I lost by stepping away I'm getting back because I have this cool trainer they're training his people
1: and is it they're training like under the bricks or no they're training under,
0: they could train under the bricks and if mm. they wanted to train under the bricks because you know I have plans for the future yeah. then they'll go with me but if they want to use it as a way to get their business going how CJ did for me
2: like, yeah
0: but Gotcha. with more education because now i'm coming in with four going on five years my anniversary is this weekend so i'm coming on five years of experience of making mistakes and 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 like you know coming back from them and still being able to continuously grow every single month so now i'm able to give them this advice and stuff and that's that's um it's allowing them to understand you don't you don't t- personally you don't need your own gym mm-hmm. I get the I get the the allure of owning your own gym and the the ego it does for your ego. Like the overhead but if, and all that. If your goal me, yeah. is to train and make money, you don't want to own a gym. No, you want to either work for somebody that's paying you very well, yeah, or you want to be in a situation that I'm trying to put people in where you just you rent the space and yeah. I cover everything else, but what you give, you know.
1: Yeah, see that, and I, I run my businesses based upon other businesses that can give me the like. I offer a service, mm-hmm. but I don't need to own the production facility. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? No, like I run my businesses very lean. Yeah. I keep my overhead very low. Yep. I offer certain services that I'm able to perform. Yep. And then I outsource for the production, yeah. you know, like why would I need to own all those things? Social media. Yeah.
0: It's an ego thing. Right. Like yeah, we, sure. we've pushed entrepreneurship. In, oh, in, like um, you,
1: the middleman, like, it, uh, yeah I am what
0: what people <laughs> need to do it, man and this is what I have to do every now and then too because yeah. it's easy to get caught up in what the other people are doing
2: oh for sure so
0: man. what you have to do is sit back and, and remember what that goal is like mm-hmm. what is that overall goal right yeah. and then how do I get there yeah, because what we don't understand is as we're getting to that goal, we create so many detours just by doing what other people do instead of doing what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And we get caught up in social media. I could look at my gym and think, Man, I got the my gym is perfect, everything I need. Mm-hmm. And I go on social media, scroll, I'm like, What the heck is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah. And then you see all the comments, people are like, Oh, I wish my gym had one of those. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Alright, yeah. let me put $5,000 on this. Dude, yeah. I spent $4,000 on a piece of equipment that I used once. Mm-hmm. $4,000. Mm-hmm. I gave it to a friend of mine that could use it for her daughter. Yeah. Because it literally was $4,000, dude. Yeah, I spent 5000 on a piece of equipment that I could have got a cheaper one. But this one came with all the extra stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
0: was like, I'm getting that one. $5,700. Mm-hmm. I could have got one for two. Mm-hmm. For 2000 does everything that I needed to do, mm-hmm. and you you only learn that by making that. Well, of course somebody could tell you that. Yeah. But when it affects your pockets and you realize, dang, that's an expensive ornament. Like you you learn from that. So now I see trainers doing it all the time on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they got the new stuff. Mm-hmm. It's Not beneficial. Like it's cool. Like if you have yeah. this is my thing. If I have everything I need and I got money, right? And I just want to make it a little better. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'll get it. Just not. Yeah. I'm not gonna use it as much. It's not beneficial. Not not that beneficial. But I'm gonna get it. Just be cool. But when you're like like it, it's 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 like you having a mic that works and you see Joe Rogan with this like bigger mic or whatever I don't I don't know what makes <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, I don't know yeah. what makes a mic better. Yeah. But you're like god yeah. I wish I had that bigger mic yeah. next to my face that, for whatever reason yeah, Pauls yeah, right. Yeah. So then you go get it but your mic was perfectly fine professional everything yeah. and now you notice nothing changed you didn't get more you didn't get more people in do podcasts. Yeah. You didn't get more and you're like, man, that's a ten thousand dollar mic sitting there doing the same thing my one thousand dollar mic used to do. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's very easy to get caught up in that. But when you, when you come from a hustling background, you start realizing, yo, I'm putting, it's about money in. Mm. You want to bring in more than you are putting out. And when you come from that and you realize you can do it all with less, man, I don't yeah. want a huge gym. I want a small gym that's super efficient. Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, too, it's like, well, you have to have a real clear vision on how you define success to yourself. If you define success based upon what? social media is telling you a success then you're lost you're not gonna really truly know what you really are after and you're doing other things because that's what you're seeing and that's propaganda essentially that you're eating up like oh i gotta fit that bill but that's not really who you are and you're not really doing things for the true reason you even got into it if you even got into it for real reasons true reasons um you you said it's been 5 years since be, you opened-
0: It'll be 5 years on this So you Sunday.
1: you started in 2017
0: cuz I, I came I here too. in 2014. 2000- uh, 15 originally, yeah, but that wasn't official. Like, I didn't yeah. even have the paperwork done to like legalize the name and stuff. 2017 is when everything that's when I moved back here and it was official. Yeah, my so five years this weekend. That's,
1: I mean, I started City Chapters officially in 2017, so it's funny that our journey is about the same as business owners. Big, they
0: said if you make it to five years and you're still climbing, you're a successful. Uh, yeah, business. I'm
1: just like, feel like I'm just now starting my business in a lot of ways, but too. You, gotta, you know what I mean? That's as far as the experience, you were running on goes. the fly.
0: So like in that process you were learning like like I remember when you you when you spent that like thirty K on on the machine or something like Oh the like embroidery machine. Yeah. That
1: was one of the That's where it goes to saying that's like I, I should have outsourced that like, that's stuff. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah. like in
0: that path, like if you're around in five years That was a big mistake. And you're if you're around and you're still like you still are passionate about what you're doing, you're still making income off of it, et cetera you're good man because you're doing mm. what you love doing you're making yeah. money five years is a long time man. Yeah. so the fact that you were able to think about it you were able to blow spend granted you ever get some money back but like yeah. you were able to oh,
1: like, i lost money
0: yeah but like <laughs> you were able to make mistakes yeah. and bounce back And and i've made yeah. a lot of mistakes but one thing mm. that i'm so happy i did was i knew that going into my business it wasn't about money because was my passion And when I say that, it was about making money. I wanted to make money. I wanted to do this for a living. But it wasn't a dollar sign that I was looking for. It was just like, I want to make enough money to do everything that I enjoyed doing when I was active duty. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to still do that while doing what I love. Because now, I mean, when I was active duty, bro, I was living life, man. I was, it was so cool, right? But I just hated going to work every day. So I was like, how can I get this but doing something I love? And then, so I knew doing this, I just needed to get to a certain area, certain ballpark. And I was going to be good, but I knew in order to do that, I was going to have to have the right clients, like good people, but I was going to have to treat people like, like I'm their employee. Like they're not, I work for them. And a lot of trainers, like they, they get a lot of clients or they get a high end client and they start to let that ego be like, no, you're lucky to have me. No, like every client, I make sure every client that come to my gym. know I appreciate them. Some of the kids, not so much. Cause I talk a lot of trash. Man. I talk <laughs> a lot of trash, but
2: yeah.
0: I appreciate, I let the parents know, like I appreciate because it's a lot of gyms. Mm-hmm. So for you to bring your kids to me, like I appreciate that because without yeah. these kids I'm training and these adults, I, I always keep some adults on, on, in my, um, as clients, because a lot of the times when I'm training these kids, by the time I'm done, I'm screaming and yelling at them, I'm tired. Because I don't have the same approach as a lot of these trainers. It's not like, hey, good job, man. No, it's like, hey, man, that was all right. You can do better. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. Come on. Like, that's my yeah. approach. That's where I'm from. It's just yeah. a different environment. Mm-hmm. So, when um by the time I'm done training these kids, I'm tired. When I'm done training an adult, you know, their goals are simple. Yeah. I want to build muscle. I want to yeah. lose weight. Yeah, I want to, you know, work on my butt, like stuff like mm-hmm. that. Pause. But you know, stuff <laughs> it's, like that. It's so, true. It, but that's that's we, easy. Yeah. Like that's really easy to help somebody achieve that. Well, as long as they're meeting you halfway and taking care of themselves outside. But when you're mm. dealing with a high level athlete, right, a kid that can jump and and or a kid that's super fast, and you're trying to take them and make them even more explosive, yeah. more p- uh, powerful, jump higher, run faster while not putting them in a risk of injury mm-hmm. now that's science man now mm-hmm. you got to know exactly how those joints move and when you grab something this way what does it do because a lot of people do curtsy lunges right and they call called curtsy right and i hate it because it puts your pelvic and your knee in such a bad place but it's, it helps women build their butt fast right mm. so i get it because you they feel it but what they're not understanding is What is compensating to put you in this, this pattern? That's not a normal pattern over time, continuously with the load. They don't, they're not thinking what's down the line. And when you're dealing with athlete, you have to think is what I'm doing now, what I'm making them do affecting anything else. Yeah. If they're holding this bar this way and they're working their legs, what's it doing to their shoulders? Mm. What's it doing to their wrists? You have to think about this stuff. So when you take that approach, it's very boring, the training. And what does everybody want? They want excitement. That's why social media is so popping. So it takes a certain type of person to want to stick around and understand that repeating the same thing over and over is how you get better or something. But the people have stuck around. The results show for them all. Like it's, it's yeah. cool. And I don't ever fight to keep nobody in my gym. I don't have a problem with anybody that leaves. Because mm-hmm. like there's plenty of people. There's plenty of trainers. Yeah. But I appreciate the people that stick around so much, man. Like it's it's I look at some people that have been there for three and a half years. You know, um only one person no three people are gonna cross over at the five year mark and have been there for all five.
1: That's cool, man. You know,
0: only three. It would have been more some some stopped coming like last they hit four and stuff. But it was a goal of mine to keep as many as I can. For that five years but they, they all left naturally they they wanted to do something else or mm-hmm. this kid wanted to train at this facility because it had whatever or this and that's cool but there's I, I want to say there's like three or four that from the jump um have I mean still there still there so that's that's a um that's pretty cool
1: yeah that's huge man having that dedication you know um
0: where are we at? Cause I definitely want to make sure I touch on, um, the nonprofit cause that's, yeah, let's, I'm gonna give a little bit about it, but I don't want to.
1: Well, yeah. And, um, for me too, like names for brands are huge, yeah. obviously, you know, like I think a lot of people, you know, especially nowadays they're like, Oh, I just want to do some, they just come <laughs> up with some name and put it out there and getting going is a big part, you know, but, um, you know, like the brand name City Chapter is like that brand, the strength of that name yeah. is versatile for me to go wherever I want to go with it. Yep. You know, and the bricks has that same thing, you know, and it's just strong. Yeah. The bricks, like it just sounds like yeah. a strong. Yeah. Gym name, like that, that was but then a it's good beyond, choice, yeah, right? like, it is, it's, it's perfect. Dude. It hit
0: off right off the it's top, it's just badass. Like it hit off yeah. the top, and then I added the conditioning lab because I wanted to, At the time when I, I came up with the conditioning lab, it there, you didn't see lab as much as you do now. Hmm. You see the word lab in people's gym. There was a gym here called the lab back in the day, but I didn't know about it till after I created my name, but yeah. You see people because I mean, like I said, people like to use the word science. So you think lab, like so you see lab a lot now. But this Mm -hmm. is just an entity of my overall goal, man. Yeah, I'm not gonna touch too much on that overall goal, but it's 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 the bricks health and performance center, period.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: it's 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 gonna be cool. It's gonna happen. Uh, I was telling a friend the other day. I was like, man, I hope I can make this happen. She was like, dude, stop. Like, if there's anybody like. Yeah, it is vision. happening. Like, ton of it. Yeah. I know you're, you know, so... Um, it is happening. But but the yeah. bricks, but like like um, like um I was telling you earlier, I don't think that's what I'm going to be remembered for. And that's mm. what I, I think is my nonprofit. That's the thing that's going to... um. That when I was, so when I was, when I moved with my dad, right? Like I said, I, I'll go to my dad, advice and all that. But I was telling, there was this place around the corner from my house. It's called A Place Called Home. That, that's the name, A Place Called Home. Mm-hmm. And you would go there. And they let you play in sports teams, so you can play basketball, and you don't pay nothing. You play for the basketball team, you try out, you make it, you go play in the tur- tournaments and leagues. You want to play flag football? You try out for the team, you go make it, play in the leagues. Every sport, at every sport, they pay for it. You didn't pay for nothing, yeah. right? They pay for everything. Then on Fridays they have pizza night, right? So you go watch a movie and eat pizza.
2: Then
0: mm-hmm. you had to do certain certain stuff to be able to qualify, like you make sure you like you did your homework or did that stuff. That like, cool. They had computers, they had a computer lab. At a boxing ring, they had bo- punching bags. They had all that. They had they, they would bring people from the the community in there to talk to us about stuff. But a place called Home. But they had a gaming area, video games, you know, um foosball, all that stuff. But as soon as school get out, I'm dropping my bags off and I'm meeting the homies at a place called Home. Yeah, that's what the girls Sounds was going. Sounds like a cool that's place. Going. A place called Home, right? Yeah. Right in the hood. Right in the hood. Yeah. Right? And um, I don't think a lot of us at the time understood how much that was changing us, because it was gated, right, so once you're on the other side of those gates, big, tall, gate bar, 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 bar. once you're on the other side of those fish, you were good, because the people in there were from where we're from, and mm-hmm. there was older, and they was making sure people who didn't belong didn't come in there, mm-hmm. and it was just so much fun, man, we would go there, and I remember I met so many, like, all my close friends from the east side, where I'm from, that I, I still talk to now, I met them through either a place called Home or Trinity Park, those are the two places that we, we frequented a lot, but that center has such a big impact on me because it's the amount of time I've spent there growing up. I stopped going like the end of heights, like junior year maybe because I was just focused on basketball and I was, but the amount of time I spent there from middle school to, to I'm like, where would that time have been? Like what I, what would I have been doing, doing. with yeah. that time? Had I not been in, in, involved in the place called home, man, mm. like all the it was just, all it was was a bunch of blacks and black and Mexican kids. And then the staff was black and Mexican. The summer staff was white, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, that's, that's all we like. So I always wanted to, to give my version of that and take it to a next level. And that's what I think I remember, remember for. And there was no better word, you know, you know, the, 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 the background for the bricks and I was just, then the bricks, for, bricks for kids. And mm-hmm. I mean, I got the cheesy slogan, like, you know, how you gotta have like a slogan that's like, yeah. when you say it, you're like, that's cheesy. And then you think about it like, oh, but it works. Mm-hmm. I got the, the bricks for kids, the cheesy, this, is the slogan, right? Bricks for kids. And I want you to make sure you get this too. You? <laughs> bricks for kids, giving kids the tools to build a better future. Mm. Bricks built. See, how It's yeah. like man, it's got a little <laughs> corn, but it's like, hey, it hits. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like no, when it's... somebody tells you to do something, you're like, when that's corn, and you try, you like, that's kind of fun. Yeah. But like, no, Yo, but that's yeah. that's what I've been working on. That's what because I, I made a, a one of my resolutions this year was to not spend any money on my gym because I do every year not spend any money on my gym to focus on my investment in my house. So getting it ready to be a rental property and then focus on my education, which Mm -hmm. I'm doing, get back to traveling, which
2: I'm doing. Oh yeah.
0: And then the nonprofit going, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to go into 2023. It's a big year. It's my first full year of like that second chapter after the five years. Uh, And to take it, take things towards the next level. So with having a trainer and I'm about to bring back groups, for adults, I'm not gonna touch it. I'm going to have a trainer running it. I don't want nothing to do with, you know, small groups. I want to focus my time on like, you know, somebody has an injury, yeah, and they come from um, physical therapy, like working with them, working with athletes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm bringing back groups because there's there's just, you know, there's. I think my group workouts used to be really cool, but my main focus now is my nonprofit and and um, I'm doing dealing with the legal paperwork now. But it's basically gonna be like an after school program. I just drop your kids off. I don't care if you're, uh, um, I don't care. It's for less fortunate kids, right? Yeah. And that word "less fortunate" when you hear that kids less fortunate, you're thinking mostly, you're thinking,
1: uh, minority black. But age. but what
0: what what about them that's making them less fortunate? Poor, poor. Typically yeah. lack of money, yeah. right? And that's typically what we think of less fortunate. But I grew mm-hmm. up with lack of money. Yeah. But I look back on my childhood. I had an awesome life. Mm. So I might have been less fortunate financially, yeah. But I, I loved my childhood. I didn't know I was poor until I went to high school. Like that's when I really knew I was poor when I found out what a pantry was. I didn't know what a pantry was. You had a closet full of cookies. Like what the like yeah. what? Yeah, I didn't know that until high school. So that's when I realized I was poor. But what what I um, less fortunate? There's there's not poor kids shooting up schools. Like you, you, there's kids that are are going to that that have. Parents with money that don't have a healthy home.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: You, you see what I'm saying? Like less fortunate does not mean financial less fortunate. is like there's you, you're missing some aspect of a child's like happy life, right? Yeah. So I don't want it to be like oh, only poor kids can come to my. No, no, no. I want the the breaks for kids. This after school program to be for haven. kids. Yeah. It's period. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to sit here and run your parents' credit score and like their income. Oh, yeah, like right. if you're a kid that wants to get better at something, that wants to learn something. Come, yeah, because what it does is it's going to start blending different kids from different groups and letting them see that you're not that different,
2: mm-hmm. you're not different. That, so yeah.
0: that's the goal. And the goal is going to be to find, like I told you, how I played basketball, play football. And the goal is going to be to be financing these tournaments and mm-hmm. paying for kids to go play here and play well, there. And that's in the, the future, goal. we'll definitely we'll for kids. be
1: working together on oh, yeah. things like that, man, because oh, yeah. that's a major goal of city chapters that have. You know, like a facility like Vector 90 or, you That's know, That's dope.
0: That's dope. Yep.
1: Things of that nature where we're like really giving these kids opportunities to get real education, yep. like real education about life and about how to learn and critically think about environments and situations they find themselves in, how to react and with positive emotions, you know, instead of whatever they're being. Downloaded with at their home if it's a negative 100%. environment, you know. So
0: those, there's so much talent yeah. out there, man. There is, but they're man. just not exposed to this stuff. Like it, it,
1: it's like, well, they don't have people speak to them like we speak. No, that's 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 yeah. what I'm saying. They're not yeah.
0: exposed to it. So now you get a kid that, like I said, who on the outside looking in has this awesome life, right? This kid has mm-hmm. every bike you can think of. His kids has all this money. There's there's he may be missing something or she may be missing something. For so sure. now they come to this this place and they hang out with other kids and they, they're getting to know other kids and they're seeing different stuff and now these kids are like oh shoot like i they're taking something this you're just trying to build better people man like you're just trying to give people a, at least the option to be a better person and one of the things like like you were talking about vector 90 and how you know because they, they push ownership and entrepreneurship a lot like that's yeah. the big push right mm-hmm. but i was just telling my little bro like if, if you're a wolf, like as in you're somebody that goes, go get it mm-hmm. now is the time because everybody is trying to be an entrepreneur and an owner. But if you have ownership of what you do and your product of who you are and how you, you, you can go make money. It's going to take hard work. But if you think being an owner is easy, that's, you know, it's hard work. It's just mm-hmm. a different form. So there's jobs out here offering $25, $30 an hour. I'm like, if I'm 20 years old. I'm like, I'm getting a job. Yeah. I'm putting in extra hours and then whatever it is that I want to do to be this owner, I'm just stacking. But I'm putting myself in a better position than I did when I became an owner. Mm. Because think about if you started City Chapters or if you started the, the podcast and all that, and you had a hundred hundred K in a bank just chilling. Mm-hmm. Like think about like the it, it's oh, you yeah. can, if you had a hundred K that you that's not belonging to Bills right now you could dedicate more time to a podcast and just do like, because you're like, oh, I don't need to go do this. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you can't now, but I'm just saying like, it just gives you this leeway. There's always going to be this work phase of mm-hmm. life. So if, if um that's why one of the things I want to push through this nonprofit is STEM.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I learned about STEM later on in life. I thought mm-hmm. science, math was stupid technology. You know, I thought engineering, I thought that was stupid, but if you teach these kids early, I taught my daughter about science and math early. Mm-hmm. And now she brags to me when she gets A's in math and science because she knows I'm going to be proud of her. Mm-hmm. But if you get a degree in biology and you decide, I want to be a trainer, you can take that biology de- degree and transfer it to and get a master's in exercise science. They're not going to say, hey, you got a biology degree, but we need you to take an extra class. No. You've mm-hmm. taken physics. You've taken algebra tools. You've taken all of that stuff, the biology, the chemistry. You've taken those classes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So now you're sending these kids to school getting degrees that they... Unless they have a, a direct path that they want to take, but now you see these kids with an interest in a degree that they that can take them far. Now they're not getting a, a communications degree, forty five thousand dollars student loan, and they're working at the hospital. Mm. They're working at, the, you know, so I want to push STEM, at least give them the opportunity to learn about STEM. And I want the computers and I want all that. But that's that's the overall goal is just to provide that when opportunity. When you say STEM,
1: what is that? Science,
0: technology, engineering, and mathematics. Okay. Yeah. So basically it's just a, it's a degree. If, if if I took my health science degree and I said, I want to, I think I want to go to medical school or I think I want to do this. They're going to tell me my my degree did not transfer over.
2: Mm-hmm. they're
0: going to take my degree and the credits that I achieved and they're going to say hey we need you to take these classes these classes and these classes I know this because I applied to go to for a minute I wanted to be a physical therapist just because I had the money for school and I had my masters and I was applying at USC's, they have this um, hybrid DPT program and they were saying you can be accepted conditionally but we need you to take physics too we need you to take another statistics class and I was like I love physics man but I'm not taking physics too.
2: Mm.
0: Like I'm not doing that. But if I would have got if I, my, if my master's or my bachelor degree was in a, a better field, if I had a master's in biology or a bachelor's in biology, they wouldn't have said, Hey, we need you. They would have just took it. The, the, the reason why I say STEM is for one, especially for women, cause they're not in that field. That's why I made sure my daughter just learned about it to have that option. But for one, it's a degree that you're not blowing your money on. Because you can take a science, math, engineering, you can take any of those degrees and anybody's going to accept one. Yeah. But you're not ending up with this. You're not wasting your time. It gives you, it opens your mind to bigger things. And all the people who are making all the money, if money is your focus, most of them are in that realm somewhere. Math, group, math degree and they're accountant. Mm-hmm. Biology degree and they're a doctor. Mm -hmm. technology degree and they're running a a tech farm Mm -hmm. farm firm but like you see what i'm saying like all the big money a lot of those people are coming from those backgrounds Mm -hmm. so it's like if you know that that's the way it is and i know for a fact that there's programs for like women because there's a lack of women in those fields i'm gonna put my daughter in position that if she wants to do it she can do it so that's why i push it on her and i just want to open that up to kids to see that science and math is not it's not it doesn't have to be torture which is what we yeah. all think it is it's actually really cool so
1: yeah i mean you're that's, inspiring me right now man yeah. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: that's but that's for real though that's what but for real bro even my job movement that's so yeah. much science in movement man mm. if they if biomechanics degrees were pop or around when i was mm. getting my bachelor's i would have just got a bachelor's in biomechanics yeah it's movement is so it's crazy when you look at how Joints correlate with each other during movement. And then you start realizing, oh my God, why am I lifting weights like this?
1: Yeah,
0: Like, why is your chest, why is your shoulders sore on chest day? Yeah. And and I'm not talking about sore like you worked it, but like you feel that pain. Why do you feel the pain on chest day? Yeah. You might want to relook, rethink the way you're doing your, your chest, your chest workouts. Well, right. So that's why that's one of the big goals of the, the, the big goal, the overall goal is to get kids a place to go and, and just, like like do something express themselves.
1: Do you have like a timeline for when you're no. hoping? Just the, in the beginning, the phases. paperwork is taking, yeah. it takes a long time. Yeah, for it's non-profit, at the state
0: so. right now. So yeah. I just wanted to, before I start throwing the names out publicly, I want to make sure that name in laying is locked the foundation. In. Yeah. Again. So now that the yeah, name is this. locked in, nobody yeah. can go steal it and call yeah. their, their gym move for kids. You know, like, <laughs> dang, that's actually not bad. <laughs> if I was moving, not yeah. a bad move. For, but anyways, yeah. um, yeah, I wanted to make sure the name was locked in before, but it breaks for kids, man. And there's no timeline. If it was up to me, it would have been started, but I knew hmm. when I started my gym, um, this is nothing I took for Nip is Nip focused on his rap. Right. Yeah. He, he had other avenues he could make money. But once his rap was solidified and he knew that was good, then he started branching off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to have the they want to have this thing about them where they're like, man, I, I, I got a business here. I got stocks. I got real estate. I got this. That's cool, but none of them are bringing in big money. You just got your hand everywhere. I'm glad you think that way. And that's yeah. the thing. If mm-hmm. if I have my hand everywhere, how am I mastering? You can't anything? master one thing first. How am I yeah. mastering anything if my hands are everywhere? So I knew I, yeah. in order for me to even I, have I, a I, voice, I was gonna have to master this training thing, man. I, now I, yeah. when I talk to somebody, they're like, "No, nah, I know yeah. this dude. He did this, that, and the other." So now yeah. they're taking my advice on that. Yeah. But then. When they introduce me to somebody that may do business mm. and this guy wanna talk me I'm like, hey man, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he sees that I mastered one thing, one thing that this he or she knows is that I'm capable of becoming a master of something. Yeah. So if I say I'm gonna do it, I may not, but there's chances are probable chance that I'm gonna do it. Yeah. So I'm I'm I don't not say I mastered strength <laughs> conditioning because it's a forever, it's preventive maintenance, I mean preventive health, it's forever changing. But I got a good grasp on it. and I'm continuing to learn. And I got my business to a position that exceeded my original goal, which was to be able to 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 do what I love doing and afford to live the life I'm living. I mm-hmm. lived over there. I, I live a better life now. Yeah, I'm yeah. able to help more people. Yeah. I'm able to be like a shoulder or a backbone for my family. They hit me up. Yeah. I don't talk to them all the time, but they know if they call me, they need it. Yeah, I don't you even can... ask them. I can send it. Like That's yeah. a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to my daughter whatever she needs and even some stuff she doesn't need. She she doesn't have the swag of L. A. Mm-hmm. She's getting there. Yeah. But I would like I'm gonna get you those shoes. She's like I don't need shoes. I'm like yes you do. Yeah All you right? do. So yeah. Um. But but I've exceeded yeah. my original um goal. So now I can take a step back. I can get back to traveling. Mm-hmm. I can get back to and I can focus on the nonprofit. Yeah. And now I can dedicate everything to that like I did to my gym. So. That's, that's basically what the timeline was. It was just waiting for me to get to a certain position in my gym. And once I got there, now that I'm there, mm. now I can put focus. Cause I, like I said, I didn't master being a, a gym owner or being a strength and conditioning coach, yeah. but I got to a level where all I need to do is just keep learning. And I'm there like, and you know, I have a really good foundation of it. So now it's like, all right, let's put that effort into this nonprofit. Yeah. So I, I see it up and I see it at least making moves this year but mm. I, I told myself I wasn't going to spend the money on my gym this year even though I was actively looking for a, a second location to do it and I just, everything fell through which is for a reason because I don't push anything Yeah. so if if I go look at a building and they say this that and the other and it doesn't work out I don't fight for it I say okay cool yeah I've because learned, it, I've it's, it's got like everything that's gotten me here has been natural mm. it's all been natural like it, it just I meet people accidentally I do this just because I was this, it accidentally this, though? no no what I mean by accidentally, I know I, didn't I know it's no mean. but I don't think I know I really, what you mean though. I, I honestly think if you always have good intentions with everything you do you're never maliciously trying to put anybody in a bad position yeah you are going to fall you're on the right path yeah, man. yeah. you are going to fall into place everything mm-hmm. you want the thing is is it doesn't come easy mm. so just because you're on the right path that does not mean you are gonna.
1: Hit, oh yeah hit, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah.
0: but what we tend to do is like to when when we so if I told you hey I need you to go to to North Town Mall, and you know the North Town Mall is straight down Division, right? And you're going down Division, and Division is shut down, right? Mm-hmm. It's shut down. Mm-hmm. Or there's a train. It says shut down. Division's closed. You could be like, "Man, what the heck? I'm trying to go to North Town Mall." You know there's a detour, right? Mm-hmm. You can sit there and complain about Division being shut down, or you can just say, "Okay, I gotta take another route." Mm-hmm. Now that route's gonna take me longer, but let me just stay on path. So I'm gonna go around, but along that route, there's more detours, mm-hmm. but you have to always keep that main goal in mind. So when you hit that detour, because we make mistakes, that's a detour. You bought a $30,000 sewing machine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's Embroider a detour. machine, yeah. And sewing embroidery yeah. and church it up, yeah. right? You bought a $30,000 <laughs> sewing machine, yeah. right? Yeah. That was a detour. You could have like, you, you, it took, it, 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 you know, you, cause if you didn't buy it, you could have put that money elsewhere. Yeah. And kept doing what you're doing and, and gotten to where you are now faster. Mm-hmm. But look at, you know, during that detour, you saw some beautiful views. You know, there's a restaurant over here, et cetera, Made some et cetera.
1: Stuff with it. That's but hey,
0: but, but
1: for like, yeah. So yeah, Joe's talking about I bought this embroidery machine because I was trying to get into making some high-end jackets. And uh I thought it would be good for me to be hands-on with yeah. it. But it ends up that it takes a lot of work to run an embroidery machine. And after some time, it was taking up so much time for me to create like one jacket to yeah. learn all of this. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do yeah. this and these other aspects of the business design work, run this embroidery machine, having no employees. Yeah. So it was a major mistake where I could have put, yeah, that 20 or 30 grand or whatever into something else, into more like samples that I could have had produced by others. Uh-huh. And for me, the biggest lesson there was just like I I want to learn, I want to build my businesses to allow me to have the most freedom. And having an embroider machine where you have to sit there and baby this thing for an hour while Work. it makes a jacket is not what is yeah. going to allow me to have freedom to move about. Yeah. And even if I had employees, like I still got to manage them. I got to manage the maintenance of the machine and all that. Well, why would I do that when there's other businesses that specialize in producing garments yeah. and I can just outsource to them. 100%. So I went back to that and sold that and a machine for a loss to another homie that actually runs a screen printing business. Yeah. And so you but, know, but you but that, that detour the way you learn, I didn't I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known yeah, if I thing. didn't take that I detour. Still got, yeah. I still
0: got the polo shirt. I've never wore one. Yeah. Remember you were you were like you were just getting started and you was like, hey oh, man, yeah. yeah I'll yeah, give you yeah. a credit because they were like, it, yeah. like kinda I still oh, got Oh, yeah yeah yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. still got them. That's I'ma right. Keep them. I did forget I'ma about keep it. Just case you
0: get too big I'm like, Bobby, don't forget, look at this. You gotta pull it on both yeah sides to get this. I
1: still yeah. they're
0: hanging up in my closet. Yeah, like,
1: that's I, crazy I
0: literally man. never wore one of them. Yeah. I was just like, man, he's I, I, I talked to them, I was like, look, I just donated to him because he's trying to get it. I just, I never even I, I used to like, How are yeah, I was like, they cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just put them on man. every time I put them on, it wrinkles up on my chest like that
1: Yeah, they were they're don't go Hold
0: out, on, just just in case like you ever I'm like, Bobby, don't forget, never forget. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah. No, but so yeah, no, one hundred percent. But that—that's what I'm just saying. Like, if you get a detour, which I've hit along the way, um, you know, you just like just all right, take the next fastest route, but just don't sit yeah. and complain. Like, everybody has to stop on the vision.
1: Stop. Well, yeah, and I was talking about this on the other podcast too about like how when you stay calm when things aren't going your way, and you learn that like, all right, I just got to go this other way right now, not yeah. fight against it. That. That detour is gonna go a lot smoother, like say you're going up division, you hit a detour, and you're now feeling like you're running late and then you get pissed and you driving like an Forever, asshole, yeah. irritating everybody else. And you crap you, you whatever happens, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, 100%. But if you stay calm with the detour and like understand like, oh, no, that's just what it is right yeah. now. And I got to go this yeah. way and you ain't going to fight against it. You're going to get to that place probably in this almost near the same time you would have if the detour yeah. wasn't there. You know, Man. it's like people like 100%. get on the freeway now here and they trying to get off at the next exit because it's it's uh, traffic. traffic, but Either if you just would off, have stayed on the freeway, goes, instead I, of hey, going I'm on those alternate I'm getting routes, off, I look at the yeah. freeway
0: driving by me, I'm like, yeah, man, you're man, like man, damn, no, I should have stayed
1: on the freeway, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. bro. Yeah, it's like, so it happens all the time, yeah. man.
0: Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it, it, um, yeah, definitely. It's it's like how successful you are. What I'm learning in business is, is just how much stress can you overcome? Like, cause it's, it's stress is going to be there. Like, yeah. is your breaking point. Um, further along, I mean, it's, can you handle more stress? Like, is your breaking point shorter than the, you know, than the next man? This successful person, because typically when we see successful people, we see the, you know, we see the success, and we don't see their like that grind that they put in. Yeah. But when you like dig through, because you, you know, I took out a student loan mm-hmm. my first year in at the bricks mm-hmm. cause I was broke, and I, I was bringing in like nine hundred dollars a month, and I had my. This was like after I paid when all that went up because I paid in advance for stuff, but I had to take out student loans. I was bringing like 900 to like probably like 900 to $1,500 a month. And that's total. And then I had to pay the, the rent, the bills, my apartment, all that. And then I moved my mom here. I moved my nephew here. So I'm in a two bedroom apartment. My mom and my nephew live in there and I'm going through trying to build this business. I'm flying missions. I got all this going on and I'm broke, but I can't, if I could take missions every month for two weeks, I'd be good, but I can't Mm -hmm. got to take missions sporadically to stay current. So I was like, I'm in school. I'm taking a student loan, taking a student loan, you know, like handle what I had to handle. And, Mm -hmm. and the reason why I did that, and I paid, you know, I paid, started paying it back. But the reason why I did that is because I believed in it. So I knew if I took that student loan off and I was paying it off, I wouldn't be paying towards just something stupid. Like I'm mm-hmm. not paying towards a, a degree in basket weaving. I'm paying towards like this helped me get my brand started. Like it's like a loan, but I knew it was going to be a low, low yeah. interest, payback. Yeah. So I took that student loan out, paid in advance, like I did the the prior year, and then I was able to. All right, cool. Keep moving, keep moving, mm-hmm. and then went from there. So
1: yeah, you got to take those risks, though. I got go soon through, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's just. um, Yeah, I mean. We'll have to have you on a continuation of this chapter sometime, man. Cause we got a lot to, we could still talk about. I would like to talk more about like the struggles of business too. And you know, we probably
0: should have went there like an hour and a half ago.
1: Yeah. But (laughs) we can get there, man. We'll get there another time because you're obviously going to be starting this nonprofit. So we'll have you back on once that's up more and running and you got things going on there. And then we can talk more about some, some of the challenges of business. But, um, We'll wrap it up. A few more things I want to talk to you about is you've, you've traveled quite a bit and uh, you have a goal for, to see the seven wonders. Yeah. And uh, you just recently, like just not that long ago, you were in Egypt and then like a few weeks later you were in Peru.
0: About a month. So um, I told you I had these goals, right? So Mm -hmm. I I had these five goals when I got out to um, I've always traveled. They people used to think I worked for the CIA or something Mm because I I would just I don't ever like go on social media and post my passport and be like countdown to this place. I just pop up like nobody needs to know. I'm not going there for you. I share pictures to share my journey with people and like Mm -hmm. you know. But if you notice, my social media has been private since forever. So um I just just made it just took it off of the private mode. But Mm -hmm. um like when I travel, I'm traveling because there's stuff that I I become like it like engulfed like it engulfs me like i was learning about the rainforest and i was like man the rainforest is weird like this is wow what goes on in the rainforest and i was like why don't anybody visit the rainforest during the wet season it's only two seasons right mm-hmm. so i was like what's the closest rainforest and it's costa rica so i booked a ticket the next week to costa rica because mm-hmm. it was in the middle of the rain the wet season mm-hmm. so i found one person that would take me on a hike during the wet season and he'd take me and we're, we're hiking and water up to your knees and on the and i was like this is such a dope experience right like i just yeah. did it so when i was getting that's how i used to travel like, I would just become like, I, I became fascinated with the, um, hiking, dangerous hikes. And at the same time I was studying the terracottas, mm-hmm. the, the warriors. So I was like, oh shoot, like one of the world's most dangerous hikes is in Mount Hu right out of Xi'an. Mm-hmm. Well, and Xi'an is the tomb of the terracotta, terracotta warriors. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I just kept reading all the documentaries and I went, saw the, the tomb of the terracottas and then I went and hiked, um, stair, um, the plank walk to heaven. Mm-hmm. one trip and then I went and I knew I wanted to see the Great Wall but I wanted to go to a part of it that was still like no tours so mm-hmm. I paid this kid and this kid took me and dropped me off <laughs> like, I didn't know that's how it was going to work he just <laughs> dropped me off and then he yeah. like so I'm like what the so I, I'm just walking I'm in this village that you leads to it you go up this back gate there's no admission there's no nothing you're on the wall and then yeah. you just walk towards where so three hours later in Chuck's I get to where everybody's at, but so wow. I care. I'm doing all this traveling. When I got out, I knew I wanted to buy a house. I knew I wanted a coupe because I had my my SUV. I knew I wanted um, to get my finances in order, uh, and I wanted to take my business to a certain level. And I wanted to see the seven wonders because I had started with that the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. And every year, I start working towards one of them. And the first was the house, but I didn't know the steps to take, so I just kept pushing those five resolutions over every year and last year i finally got the house and the car got mm. my finances in order and my business was getting to where i wanted it so i was like going into this year i gotta knock that, that traveling out so this was december i just went online <coughs> i booked the trip to egypt i booked the trip to peru and i booked another trip i'm not gonna say where it's to. though i booked another trip then i canceled it though but mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm go. But so that that knocked off. Um, I had already did Great Wall. I did the Great Wall, I did yeah. Yeah. and now so I did. Um, of course Machu Picchu, mm-hmm. and then I did the um the Great Pyramid of Giza. So now I just got Petra, the um the Colosseum, and Christ the Redeemer. So I'm knocking off one of those here this year, and if people people who follow me will know, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like I don't either, but I'm knocking off for sure one of those again this year. I'm gonna try to do two um, within the same time frame, Mm -hmm. and then just save the last for to just like I don't know celebrate, yeah. But whatever, so that's the goal. Yeah.
1: Um, what out of those. Wonders you've seen so far, which one was the most amazing to you? It's like is the, it hard like, to choose? The,
0: the reason why is because they all have different
1: things. Like yeah. Things
0: about them. Like when you're yeah. at the the most, like the one that gave you the mo- me the most chills was yeah. the, the Great Pyramid. Yeah, you're, you're like. I've been studying the Great Pyramid for so long. I mean, Egyptian culture ancient Egypt, Egypt, yeah. Egypt for so long. And then I was trying to go back in like 2014, but the terror level was pretty high there. So the military wouldn't let me go because of active duty. So mm. when I got there and standing there and just looking up, like, what the How fuck? big it's it is insane, yeah. man. And then some of the stuff I got to do while I was there was just it was it was insane. So that feeling of being there was crazy. Mm. The Great Wall was cool. I probably put that on all of the ones I've done so far, like towards the bottom, just because China was I didn't have that. It was yeah. great to be there. And it was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was ready to get out of China while mm-hmm. I was there.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then, um, but I'll tell you this, being in Machu Picchu and being as tired as you are, as you're, cause I hiked up to the top to see, yeah. you know, Machu Picchu was the mountain. Mm-hmm. That's why those are the ruins of Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. But the, the mountain is actually called Machu Picchu. So you, you, there's this trail where you can hike in through the sun gate. Then you hike down to the top of, the, there's an entrance to get to the the ruins. Mm-hmm. Then you go through the ruins, you see them, And then there's another entrance to hike up the mountain. So as you're, I, I hiked every day I was in Peru. And you're on mountains that are 14K feet. So you got to think about it. The city of Cusco is 3,600 meters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's twice Denver. Mm-hmm. That's in the city. Mm-hmm. You roll over and you're catching your breath. So Mm -hmm. as I'm hiking, you're dying, man. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care how athletic or how in shape you are. You are out of breath. So as you're sitting there looking down on on Machi on the ruins and you're like out of breath, you're like, how the heck did they build this? Oh, how did they do this? And it's just remarkable Mm because they were in such a good location. They, they, they vacated from what I learned. They vacated the ruin. Well, in ruin at the time, but they vacated because they thought they were going to be conquered because they had, conquered the areas now mm-hmm. but they were so hidden they were nobody even found the ruins for years hundreds of, yeah like, ye- a, a long th- time i think they found it i don't want to quote nothing and then be yeah wrong but so, i know what you're saying because I've they, researched they, 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 they some discovered of that, yeah. it not all that long ago no, no but and everything still works it was raining yeah. of course it's a rain and you see the, the, the channels in yeah. the water you're mm-hmm. like how did and they and the
1: how it's cut, everything, and everything per- is so like
0: perfect? Yeah, it, it, you know, I have my theories, yeah, <laughs> gonna, but it is insane. We could, we could get into nah, that nah, on the nah, next, so, the next yeah, one, so too. as man. I'm sitting there, as, I, as I'm in, and I want people to understand, I'm a very educated, dumb person. Like, when I say that, it's like I say some dumb stuff because I think <laughs> I know it, and I look it up and be like, that was stupid,
2: yeah. So, you gotta I, take I that into to, account yeah. when I
0: say this stuff. So, fact yeah. check anything I say, and if I'm wrong, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's how you learn, but. Yeah. Um, it is really cool. Like being there and being tired. I remember hiking up and they were trying to put a temple at the top mm-hmm. and they stopped mm-hmm. in the middle of it. But as you're climbing up, it's so steep and you're going up and you're you're looking, you're like, how the heck they do this?
1: Yeah, this it's little bitty, it's little though. bitty peak. How yeah. they get,
0: how they get rocks up here? Like
1: it's crazy. Yeah,
0: it's Things... almost as if somebody dropped a rock down.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. you know,
0: that's my. <laughs> yeah, it's not...
1: like, yeah,
0: it's it's insane. But no, so yeah, I would say Machu Picchu was the most like harmonic technology. When when I saw the Great Pyramid, I couldn't stop smiling. Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't stop. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, but when I saw Machu Picchu, it was like wow, man. like, like what? what in the world? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I got. So I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, the other, the other three, well, at least two of the other three, I'm gonna get a, a really cool feeling. Cause I've been yeah. every, every wonder I've been, Doing the look documentaries and reading on them for years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's when you read and see videos and all this stuff and then finally be there. It's this weird feeling. So I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure they'll all be the same. I'm not too sure about the last one, but you know the other two would be um, pretty cool too. But oh man, yeah, it's hard to to like put them in a
1: a hierarchy. Yeah, categorize them or like yeah hierarchy. But I still like you know just just curious like which ones. Kinda. Put it
0: like this: I don't say I'm going back somewhere often. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to Egypt. Yeah, yeah. There's a big portion of Egypt I didn't see. Yeah, I also forgot to take my daughter's monkey with me, hmm. and that bothers me because the monkey has been everywhere I've ever been okay. since my daughter got the monkey. Uh-huh. Um, so I gotta go back. But what I'm gonna do is when I go back, I'm gonna take her. Yeah, and then because I I take the monkey because she couldn't travel with me. Mm -hmm. And she, so she gave me the monkey to take. Mm -hmm. So I took it just as like, okay, I'll take it with me. And then it just traveled with me. And this was when she was like two. Yeah. So she's 12 now. Yeah. It's gone every country. I have pictures of that monkey in Germany. (laughs) I have pictures of that monkey in it. You name it. Yeah. That monkey's been everywhere. So I didn't, I left it on my couch when I went to Egypt And so I don't have a picture. I have a picture of every other, other wonder with the monkey Mm -hmm. except for that one. So I got to go back. Got to go back. Yeah. And I'm I want to go back and then I'm gonna take her. Mm -hmm. And then that will be like, kind of like an exchange. Like, all right, I'll give you the monkey. But now you got to travel with me. Cause she's up age. She's She's old old enough. enough So yeah, that'd be pretty cool.
1: Sweet, man. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up. We'll just uh, shout out DJ Freaky Fred, though. Man, shout One out time. Fred.
0: Man, Fred is yeah. Fred is not only how we met, but Fred yep. when I when I opened the first gym, Fred paid a guy to come do videos for me. Mm. I, he, I I didn't pay nothing. Yeah. Fred did like these three little forty five second video clips. Yeah. and you know I, I, the crazy thing is they never brought in business to me to me, but <laughs> he still did like did yeah. it. And then when I opened this gym, the anniversary of Fred training in my gym is is May eighth fred showed up i didn't think he would nobody else everybody said i'm gonna come fred showed up and fred started working out man and mm. he, he stopped drinking and fred worked out from may until the fourth of july the fourth of july somebody tempted him with probably a shot of fireball or something yeah. and and he was like oh, i'm back <laughs> but fred man fred i always give fred credit and i always give cj credit because cj um and I was at a position when I moved out here, and I didn't know what I was like, how I was gonna do it. CJ opened his his the doors of GTX, which I believe he sold, but he mm-hmm. um he opened the doors of GTX and let me come in there and, and train. And to this day, if somebody tells CJ I said something bad about him, I, mean, I was like, whatever. I've yeah. never said nothing bad because like what he did for me is something that. I mean, he charged me $300, Yeah, $300 to you. And he didn't just like confine me to that space upstairs. He was like, if I'm not using this, you can use the whole gym. Right. $300 a month. Yeah. And so Without uh, that, I don't get to, you know, I don't, I don't get started on what I'm doing. So I always give yeah. Fred credit for always supporting and I always give CJ credit for opening his doors to GTX. When yeah, right there. no because doubt. CJ was G- always cool, man, oh, yeah. every time I was around. It's not like. the same GTX that's there now, though. Yeah. Like he sold it. So this was, Got you. you know, I thought he was going to end up having like one of the biggest gyms in Washington, but he, he ended up moving to um back home to, to Missouri.
1: Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. I yeah. haven't seen him in a minute, but uh, yeah. all right, well, cool. Uh, there we go. That was chapter three with Joseph As
0: long as we keep it ambitious and get to the riches, I'm ready to go. I make my humble beginners with winnings and chemists as far as I know. Whoa, sugar and spice. I'm everything nice. I give you advice. They give you a price. If you pay attention, you'll see what I'm kicking. I'm wasting your money by saying it twice. Shit is a game. You want to complain. You're blaming your L's on the dice. Mama just ripped up the cobbler, so I had to call it a reason of a slice. Oh, fam, got to eat was not to get fed so all i had to do is speak now talk-